far back and I get distant I thought we both committed Some things are summertime too Love affairs and no winter Kept you in my heart But my patience has gone thinner Farewell to your keeper Farewell to September Last night I fell asleep in my closest bed Last night I took too many to the head And last night I was alone in my room again You got me next and I said it with emotions Only for the moment for closure but it won't last I got a blood road up in Sparta I gotta take my mind on my heart Cause every time this sits on a night like this I'll be in my feels when it's dark I said I got a blood road up in Sparta I gotta take my mind on my heart Cause every time this sits on a night like this I'll be in my feels when it's dark I send me your location, tell me the way to you good as a easy call I will provide for you, be your peace when you need me That's a easy call You provide a lifetime supply of right for you That's a easy call I give you space to swing on your place in no time That's a easy Welcome to the Truckers Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K-Fiends. And we're back with this time with an interview. Yes, sir. Special guest in the building, Ness Julius. Hey. Give it up for Ness. <laughs> All right. All right, let's, let's get into some music stuff, man. He's got an album out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me. I don't want to butcher this shit because I don't remember things very well. I'm <laughs> Pretty Girls Cry Too. Pretty Girls Pretty Cry Too. Pretty Girls Cry Too. All right. Mm-hmm. And it's a dope album, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm speaking it. objectively. Um, now, in regards to creating this album, what goes into your creative process? Man, um, well, I make a lot of cover art. So a lot of the cover art I make reflects the music I make. So it kind of goes hand in hand, matches my mood. And yeah, pretty much uh, what's interesting about this album, though, is the color scheme was directly inspired from my uh, Himalayan salt map, salt lamp. So I seen the color scheme of that and Mm -hmm. it kind of like drove some of those moods and created some of those vibes off the project just solely based on the lamp. And that's Mm -hmm. why I went with the whole color scheme, the pink and the orange. Mm -hmm. That's dope, man, Mm because I'm looking at it right now, too. And you got the old school rotary phone. (laughs) Yep. A lot of people don't remember those phones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty dope, man. You got your, you know, just the whole the way it looks. It's pretty uh, it's it's more of a, a, a. a captivating picture like you want to find out more about what's behind the record for sure yeah because yeah. so, sometimes people just put out anything it'll be like a picture of a baby with the eyes crossed out you're like nigga i ain't trying to listen to this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think that's pretty dope how you incorporate the um the art the artistic yeah. or the ambiance of you know something and it's the aesthetics yeah, yeah. and it, it, it matters mm-hmm. it does. how long did it take you to uh, work on this project I've been working on this project for like two years now. Wow. And uh, in in those two years, you can even, my manager would even tell you, um, I made about, I want to say like 150 songs. Mm -hmm. And then just for the project, when we really started locking in, we were down to like maybe 35 songs. And then Mm -hmm. we cut it down to 12. God dang. That's crazy. But you had released music in between there, right? Yeah, uh, you um, the EP. It was uh, right? Champagne Summer, mm-hmm. uh, which ended up making it on the project. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Jenny One and Duce, which uh, didn't make it on the project. And mm-hmm. then we had a POV, and Please Me Nice and Shameful. Mm-hmm. So those were all last year, but mm-hmm. they were singles specifically for this tape. Mm-hmm. Good deal. So what's what is your um, what is it like when you when you get in the studio? Is it you pull in a beats or like you, you, you record in voice notes or like what's your writing process like? Well, now it's um, it's all melody driven. So mm-hmm. I could be in the car. I hear a beat on my way to work, mm-hmm. pull up voice memos and I'll just lay down the flow right there. Wow. So then I go to the studio. I already have the melody mm-hmm. there. And I just got to add words to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I locked in. I want to say maybe three years ago with this producer on YouTube, we connected uh, El Jefe. Yeah. Ever since I locked in with him, he's been making all my beats. Like he mm-hmm. made 90% of this project. Shout out to El Jefe. Mm-hmm. The production is off the chain. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's dope. He's a beast. Yeah, mm-hmm. that shit is dope. What is, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Blank. <laughs> Keith, Keith, Keith is almost turning 30 now. So <laughs> sometimes he just draw blanks. <laughs> The other day I was just telling like nigga just write it down. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that? No, okay. Go ahead. Never mind. Um, in regards to production, what made you collaborate with this uh this producer besides, you know, the BC laid down? Was it that it fit you best or did you have to move on from other production or in all honesty, what really <laughs> what really got me with his sound was the production um, and the bass. It was the way he put his bass lines on his... Right. Because I'm all about drums. Right. And you don't really hear that too much in my genre, but I love drums. And so right. when I hear the bass is laid down perfectly with right. the snare, the kick, and all that, um, that makes a, a huge difference for me versus other producers right. and that was one of the things early on that really drew me to his sound and right. the fact that he's so versatile and he's able to work as quick as i am because right. people don't know this but it probably takes me about 15 30 minutes to make a song so mm-hmm. Man, that's fast and so i'm i'm knocking songs out in like 15 minutes oh i'm usually God. sending sending the song back to him the same night that he sends the beat <laughs> And the very next night he'll have something ready for me. So mm-hmm. it got to the point now where Hefe sending me a pack of like ten beats a week, and oh my god, I'm making like maybe four or five songs in a span of like three days. But that's just your process, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you're not rushing it. You're not that shit. If that's how you make music, that's how you make music. Yeah, it's just how quick I come up with stuff. Yeah, if mm-hmm. people can't keep up though. They're gonna have a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck. yeah, that's mm-hmm. dope though, man. I, I feel like there's a parallel between musicians and like comedians in a way and the reason why i say that is because that's pretty interesting yeah Yeah. to develop a joke sometimes it'll pop up in your head and you need to write it down or put it in your voice note like you have to get the premise of it at least which is the same as like you will put into your voice notes like the melody and you go back to it later for sure that's how you build a song the same way you start to build a joke because i've listened to a lot of podcasts with you know musicians and comedians and i'm like you could draw a parallel you know especially Especially the guys that the they say a lot of thought provoking stuff like the 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 Dave Chappelle's of the world like those guys their writing process is pretty crazy. Sheesh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. What are um? I don't think I've ever asked you this. What are some of your like influences as far as your music? As far as musicians or just in general? Yeah, just I, some, just musicians. I thought of one. I'm not gonna say it, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, there's so I got like. 
I have a few that like are my go-tos. Mm-hmm. Main influences being Lil Wayne, my mm-hmm. favorite rapper of all time. His work ethic, like as fast as he makes songs, mm-hmm. that really got me to where it's like, okay, if he's making songs like that, then I need to be like this. Just stay yeah. on top of my shit. Yeah. That's one of my biggest influences. Next to that, musically would probably be Chris Brown, just melody wise. That's mm-hmm. how I learned how to sing. Like mm-hmm. I was six years old listening to the radio just trying to copy what he was doing as far as him mm-hmm. doing runs vocal runs and that's really how i learned how to sing was just listening to chris brown so just mm-hmm. those are my two mains mm-hmm. right there that's dope. I, I mean my thing is is what i picked up from listening to it at least the tone of the music that i got was thinking of like party next door He's another one. Yeah. Okay. I forgot to mention. You mentioned yeah. Persian Rugs on there in one of yeah, the songs. That's one of my favorite songs of all time, mm-hmm. Persian Rugs. Mm-hmm. Um, Party Party's another one. Also, Young Thug. Mm-hmm. As far as vocal wow. inflections go. Like, yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. He's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It may seem sporadic and all over the place, but it's just understanding melodies and understanding that you can actually use your voice as an instrument. Yeah. yeah. He, yes. He's like a jazz musician. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? That's funny you say that. Cause you think about the old jazz musicians from way back in the day and mm-hmm. how they would sing and how that style of music, um, I won't say it's just forgotten, but when you hear young thug do it, they're like, what is he doing? But when you hear other artists try to replicate what young thug does, sometimes it falls flat. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That's definitely a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I got because I got one tone. I, I just sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a very like overlooked aspect of today's music, mm-hmm. as far as like being very acrobatic vocally. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the things that's not talked about, but it's done a lot in music, right. and I don't even pe- think people peep that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no rules. That's the beautiful thing about exactly. like you know today is you could do whatever you want to as long as it sounds good. But that's what, like, that's how we got here by people breaking the rules, you know? Exactly. Uh, And I mean, people forget that art is ambiguous. Yes. It's it's something that, you know, you have to use your own perspective to break this shit down. It's like something may not be dope to you, but it's dope to somebody else. 100%. -hmm. 100%. Art is subjective. So I could say, oh, that artist, ah, they this and that. And then people love them. There's something there, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Otherwise, people wouldn't keep coming back. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So it's like, hey, I'd be having to catch myself. I'd be like, nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a difference when you understand that this shit sucks versus oh, it's just not for me. There yeah. you yeah. go. There I, you go. I think one thing too, people don't realize is you, yo. Sometimes your ears got to warm up to something. Facts. Exactly. Like especially from artists um, that you actually admire, like. Um, like Childish Gambino, for instance, he was rapping, rapping yes. at the top of his career. Now he's mostly singing. And it's like, as a fan, you got to like, you know, when you first play, you're like, yo, he's singing, singing. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Another your example of that, mm-hmm. uh, to add to what you were saying, is Drake. Yeah. Drake's yeah. a perfect example of that. Because mm-hmm. when Views came out, there was a lot of negativity around the album. Mm-hmm. You go back now and you're just like, damn, <clears throat> Feel No Way's really hit like that. Yeah. Or this this song really hit like that. It's, yeah. You just got to yeah. give things time to just, you mm-hmm. know. True, and, especially music. I hate it when people, like, and my thing is I love J. Cole, but J. Cole's album came out. I liked it off the bat, but I didn't say nothing. Because you have to give, like, music or just art. You got to let it marinate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you start to appreciate it more 
or you start to w- go away from it more as you listen to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, somebody, people be like, I already heard of J. Cole. It's been out two hours. It's already a classic. You'd be like, dude, relax. <laughs> give it a, give it a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. You know, let it, you know, cause there's some albums you ever played an album and it's in your rotation for like two months. Facts. Yeah. That's, you know, that's I, happened to me. I was like that with Roddy Rich's album. Like mm-hmm. I Me kept too. playing it over and over and I would turn it off on purpose, not listen to it because it was dope. So you don't want to wear it out. Yeah, I want to wear it out. Mm-hmm. And then I listen to it again. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah this is this is this. And shit. I didn't I didn't think that, that was gonna happen with that album, but that was another one mm-hmm. recently. I think in the past two or three years, that may be the the first album in a minute since for me, the last album that did that up until that, one of you was just mentioning is a um to pimp a butterfly that mm-hmm. was the last album that i that i consistently remember just coming back to like bro i can't that's get an acqui- it's like a what do you call it an acquired taste it mm-hmm. it wasn't my cup of tea but it was still a good project i, yeah. I like damn a lot i like damn and i like see what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> he's about to say damn <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't a, I wasn't a big fan of damn mm-hmm. but kendrick was still he was getting his shit off on right, that album. Right my favorite track on that album was probably duckworth I thought, yeah, yeah, that's a great like story. That's, that's great I thought story. Dan was more like expected. Yeah. You know what I mean? More like commercial. And then to Pimp a Butterfly was like, he's just kind of doing what he wanted to. Not being influenced. Like no Rihanna. You know what I mean? So, that's true. Yeah. It's very similar to what uh, Childish Gambino's doing mm-hmm. now. He's just mm-hmm. trying to just be himself. Yeah. Not, not trying to follow the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the norm the norm can lead you down a, a path you can't turn back from. You start getting way too commercial and getting away from what you want to put out. Facts. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. Like, I think um, a lot of artists, I think this is what happened to Kid Ink. Like, yeah. he, he kind of became a, a victim of making those, like, pop pa- party. Yeah. yeah. And he could he could make good music, but it's like, you know, when he tried to, like, veer away from that, it just it didn't hit as, as much. Yeah. There's certain artists that got away with it, that sound, but they're like... Um, it's almost like a actor getting typecasted. Yeah, but I f- I say that that lane belongs to Pitbull and Flowrider, like the music, Facts. like the lane of the artists that make that party music. Yeah, you know, besides them two, I don't know anybody else that has existed making that music for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they they've they've been there. Like you mm-hmm. had Tyo Cruz who had like a two yeah. song run. But yeah, like nah, it's. Them two right there, Flo Rida and Pitbull, they made a career off that. Every mm-hmm. summer, you just you hearing them in in Miami, just going crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's just there's just too many that that try to do that, and it's mm-hmm. it just it won't work. Cause mm-hmm. it's certain people. It's what's the, there's this guy that makes just Christmas songs every year. I think it's David Bublé. I think his name is. I can't remember. Michael Bublé. Michael Bublé. Yeah. And all he does is fucking. He only pops up in December. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's built a career and popping up on Christmas. Yeah. Like, no, everyone is not going to be afforded, like, this opportunity to have that lane. Mm-hmm. But, um, just switching gears on that, I think it's dope how much music you make. Because it shows your level of dedication to your craft. That's a lot of fucking music. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of music. And and the thing is, are you really crucial on your of uh, with your music? Like what you hear or super. Super. I'm I'm probably my biggest critic. If if that's like <laughs> That's probably the reason why I make so much is right. because I'm like, nah, I could do better. See, mm-hmm. I treat I treat this very similar to like um like practicing free throws. Right. Um I'm in the gym, I'm shooting, I'm trying to go 
10 for 10 every single time. If I'm not going 10 for 10, I'm going to keep making it until I keep trying to shoot until I can't miss. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my same approach when making music. You don't want to miss because like mm -hmm. you're always going to have skips, but I'm trying to have a project where it's like there's little to no skips, if that makes sense. True. Mm -hmm. So like that's my that's my objective. <laughs> every single project is, okay, how can I deliver this body of work? Make sure that people can come back to it. Mm -hmm. And have tracks that maybe they overlooked come back and be mm -hmm. like, damn, I skipped this on the first yeah, listen. Because we know how that feels. Yeah. When we listen to an album, we only listen to this, 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 and this. And then you go back, you be like, shit, this is a banger. Mm -hmm. So then you plan that for like a whole two, three weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Now, my question is this. How important is it to have an objective ear around? It's very important. Yeah. Because okay. something can sound really dope to you, also really trash to you. And then somebody else in your ear is saying, nah, keep that. Like my hey. manager does it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like a song, a song that he vouched for that I wasn't too hot on right. when we were making this album was uh, believe it or not, was Take It There. Mm -hmm. Take It There was one of the very few songs early on that I was just like, I'm not feeling this. He was the one who kept egging me on saying, nah, bro. Like he literally told me, nah, you need to go to the studio. <laughs> he was he was literally blowing me up, pressing me about this. Mm -hmm. He said, Nah, you need to go to the studio. We're going we gonna to call Nate, we're going to book the session, and we're going to finish the song. Mm -hmm. And I locked in, I finished it. After I added like more layers to the to mm -hmm. the vocals, he was like, all right, now do you see what I'm talking about? I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I see the vision. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see the vision now. Mm -hmm. So That's it was just dope. having that other ear, not only does it help, right. but it helps me see things that I wouldn't normally see on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 the tough thing about any type of art is you have to put out the best music you can put out and you more or less it's almost like you have to remove expectations and you just have to like allow it to organically touch people. Man, expectations can fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> it, it can fuck you up mentally cuz yeah. mm -hmm. you are expecting something to do certain numbers mm -hmm. and it don't do that. Yeah. That's why like this project specifically, I told myself, I'm not going into this expecting any numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm going into this seeing how people perceive the music. There you go. And that's that. Right. Like, you can love it. You can hate it. All I know is I put out the best music that I could have put out at the time. Being. 100%. Mm -hmm. This is what you got to, like, Keith did like Keith did a great job of, like, reminding me of this. He was just like, yo, you need to stop being a slave to the numbers. Like, chill out. You know, because I was always checking analytics and looking at this and that. And after a while, I didn't give a fuck. But the numbers kept going up, 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 up. So you, you recognize it. But yeah. still, what you should do is look at the numbers you have and then tell yourself, yo, imagine that many people standing in front of you at a concert or something. That's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. Like and that many people are paying attention to your music. That many people are paying attention to whatever content you're putting out. So you have to make the best content you can. And, and and the reason why is because those people are gonna tell somebody. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. It's the best one. And then by the time enough people hear it, they be like, yo, I, man, I've been rocking with him. You know, I've, I've been trying to tell y'all. Yep. You know, but it's just, it's just you you have to continue to remain steadfast in your journey and it'll it'll get where it needs to yeah, be. Yeah, you just gotta stay humble. Yeah. Stay humble and it stay driven. 100%. What I always tell myself is no matter where I'm at, no matter what numbers I reach, don't ever get too comfortable. There you go. Because 
the moment you do, yeah, this shit can start going left. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. It, it really can. Like the yeah. moment you decide to get comfortable, like you know what, I'm gonna just chill. Mm-hmm. Somebody up the street starting to. <laughs> start popping off like mm-hmm. we see it all the time now especially yeah. because of the way the internet is 100 percent, yeah you see artists that have been making music for like 12 years you see the old heads now like making music all day life see somebody start popping off on tiktok and they go on a twitter rant saying oh y'all really, y'all fucking with this like mm-hmm. but it it just goes to show you that yeah if you never got comfortable Maybe this wouldn't have happened. That's facts because you have to evolve with the times. It's the same reason why a lot of businesses are closing and not local, but like these big conglomerate, these kind of like Toys R Us's of the world. Like yeah. they really didn't do anything to like grow with the times no. and they're out of business. Yeah. You know, it's an old, like uh, antiquated way of doing business. And eventually the Amazons of the world kept moving. But same thing goes in music, like you mentioned. You can't get mad at the 25-year-old guy that's popping on TikTok and you're 36. Yeah. Like, I mean, you probably should have, like, stop using a flip phone, bro. (laughs) Man. Yeah. He over here recording, like, recording with his iPhone so-and-so on a BlackBerry still. Yeah. You want to get into the song? Take it there? Yeah. Let's play it. Let's play it, man. Let's do it. You want to play it from the, oh, you got it already hooked up to the thing, don't you? Awesome.
Outro was dope. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that song. How it came how did that come together? Which part? <laughs> 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 nah. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, I was um I was recording at Nate's. Um I had originally just had my vocals on the track. There was no hook. It was literally just a verse there was there was really no hook um mm-hmm. and i went to nate's pretty much with nothing and locked in over there recorded the first verse again um and then i started making the hook by the time i was finished with the hook the first verse and then i think i had a second verse and then i took it off mm-hmm. um as soon as i was done with the song though my manager goes yo this is the one we got to get somebody on it Mm-hmm. And later that night, I had like a list of artists that I wanted to put on this. That we could have went like in a bunch of different directions, but we chose to really uh, focus on a female artist because the title of the project, "Pretty Girls Cry Too," we wanted to get some more female perspectives on that it. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we just chose uh, Melissa Sandoval. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a fan of hers when she was popping off on Vine. And then over the years, she started transitioning into making music. Um, so I thought that sh- her voice would fit perfect on it. So we reached out, sent her the song. She said she fucked with it. And um, that's pretty much how that happened. Yeah, that was on my list, too, that I had on here. <laughs> that's what I had on my list. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, her vocals went perfectly with that. I yeah. think that was dope. Yeah. And there you say... Um if I lose you, who going to help help me find me? Yeah. Is that something like, uh, I know a lot of people believe that um, having a partner helps you like learn things about yourself that you Facts. didn't know. So is that something you believe in? For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I meant by that was like, I, I feel like this whole album is really just a confession. 
Mm-hmm. So by me saying, if I lose you, who gonna help me find me? That's realizing that you're using somebody as an emotional crutch. Wow. So it's like you realizing that you're like, okay, but if I lose you, what's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. Mm. So like, yeah, it's just it's just being very honest. Mm-hmm. Just saying, like, understanding that that person brings that much value to the relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's just like at the end of the day. It's kind of like saying, it's being vulnerable, really. Mm-hmm. Right. It's being in tune with your feelings and being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's real simp shit. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. It's not, it's not really simp shit, man. That mm-hmm. shit is, just, it's, it's dope when, you, when you're human and man enough to own up to it and you're cognizant of, you know, your own feelings and you could channel that into yeah. whatever art. For that's sure. dope. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's deep, man. I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um. <laughs> That was another thing that I was really focused on on this project is uh, showing people a, a mature side of me. Because I feel like on the last project, I did a lot of I did a lot of deflecting, playing the victim. Mm-hmm. This project is me understanding my faults, understanding my vices and just owning up to them. That's real. Good deal. Is it that, you know, that's cliche that um, music is therapeutic. Do you believe that? A hundred percent because I'll say some shit in a song that I couldn't find the words to say out loud, mm-hmm. but I'm able to do it in a way that is therapeutic, but it's also very relatable because somebody could listen to it and be like, you know, I was going through something similar. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's another thing that I love about music is that you're able to connect with people in different parts of the world that you wouldn't normally connect with. And mm-hmm they're able to listen to your music, get a sense of who you are and draw parallels in their lives to you. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the, the real beauty of it. And that's the beauty that I'm starting to have in my own career, seeing people from other parts of the world, being able to connect with my music and just, they feel like they get to know me through my music. It's really dope to see. Mm-hmm. That's dope, man. I, I think what's, what people don't realize is like you, the average person, you would not feel comfortable walking up to them and telling them about your most intimate personal problems. However, as an artist, you're putting your music on a platform and people relate to it differently than walking up to them personally. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think it's dope how things, there are relatable experiences. I've listened to music and I'll be like, oh fuck, let me run that back. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So yeah, it's pretty cool how you put those nuggets in there. I think you're going to get more nuggets as you keep doing this shit. (laughs) Yeah, more and more nuggets. You Could don't you, have a twenty piece. <laughs> <laughs> Could you describe like um, what it feels like for a song to come together perfectly? Because I, I, I think one of my favorite songs from you is probably "Easy Call," and I think I'm just curious. Like, is it just is it when you got something? Is it just flowing, or do some songs come where it's like, uh, maybe I need to change this. I need yeah. to change this. Or, you know, what's funny is I know exactly what you're talking about because. Mm-hmm. How I refer to it is like when I know I have something that I know is going to catch, I get butterflies in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. The moment I finish it, mm-hmm. I, like I immediately feel it in my in my gut. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's that's the only way I could describe it. It's mm-hmm. just like that gut feeling. And that happens. It happens very rarely, but it always seems to happen to the songs that end up doing well. Yeah. Like I got that when I made Easy Call. Mm-hmm. I got that when I made Champagne Summer. Mm-hmm. I got that when I made Take It There. And I got that when I made Foolish. So mm-hmm. it's like songs that 
I felt that early on ended up being some of my biggest songs. Oh, even POV. I got that mm-hmm. with POV. Mm-hmm. Man. That's How much do you listen? Okay, for example, you just released this album. How much do you listen to a project before you release it? That's pretty much all you're doing in the process of making a project <laughs> is listening to the songs, um, playing with track order. Mm, that's playing, what I was going to get there. Shuffling songs. So how, how I did it was I had the MP3s of these tracks. I kind of already knew the order that I wanted them in, but just for just for kicks, I put it in a playlist, put it on shuffle, started to see what songs sounded good following each other. And that was like... I want to say the last two, three months before we put this out, that was just me playing with positions Mm -hmm. and just also in the process of getting the project mixed. You're, you're, you're hearing the songs, you're going back to references. I like to record at the crib a lot versus the studio because I just get more comfortable in my own space. So I'm not rushing you. I'm just (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to me. Man, uh, <laughs> but uh, also too, I I do like going to the studio sometimes with uh with Nate because Nate will kind of coach me. He'll coach me through the track. Like he'll mm-hmm. let me know if if a take ain't it. Mm-hmm. You don't get that when you're recording by yourself. <laughs> mm. But um, I feel like I do have a good ear as far as understanding what what sounds off to me. But it does help when I'm in a studio with Nate because Nate will give off suggestions and he'll be like, I think you should put an ad lib here or I think you should mm. stack this. I call Nate the king of vocal stacks because every time I'm in a studio with Nate, he always wants me to add a melody to something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, bro, every single time. Yeah. Like, but wow. I love him for it because it creates great product. It sound yeah. it makes the track sound fuller. It mm-hmm. it adds another element to the song. And mm-hmm. shout out Nate for that because there's been times where it would have just been one layer mm-hmm. and they told me to go back and add some stacks to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's got a good ear. Yeah. Um, how important is the intro to the album? Very important. The intro to me, intros set the tone mm-hmm. for any project. To me, your intro should be coming out with a bang. So I'm a, I'm a just like explain how I think projects should be formatted. I feel like your intro Shouldn't be your hardest song, but it should be, if people ain't never heard you before, this mm. is your introduction. Mm-hmm. The second song needs to either be the, the most catchy song or it needs to be your best song on the, on the tape so that it could be potentially a single. Because usually how, how albums work is you're, you have the intro and typically the second song is ends up being the biggest song on a project. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure that that follow-up song is good enough to keep people from the intro interested. And so once they hear the second song, they're like, all right, I'm locked in. I'm ready to hear the rest of the album. So that's, I think, I wouldn't just say the intro. I would say your first two songs need to be very important. It should be like damn near top priority as far as how you're introducing your album because mm-hmm. that's important. You start off, and I always like to think of people who have never heard me before. Yeah, like, right. if people ain't never heard of my music before, how do I want them to like get into it? What What do I want them to hear first? Mm-hmm. And that's why. And another reason why I decided to not have anything before the intro, just jump straight into the the music. Because mm-hmm. if you notice on the intro, I 
I went straight into singing. Like I mm-hmm. didn't even let the instrumental play. Yeah, I, I pulled the baby. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, jump straight wine. in. Yeah, yeah. So just punched right in. Huh? <laughs> you, you know what? I, I think uh, me and Keith talked about this a long time ago. I think that your theory is, you know, um, you kind of you're aware of people's attention spans, right? <laughs> Which is one thing. In addition to um, thinking of people who have never heard you, like even the way we start our podcast is. You do the quick intro. All right, let's get right into it. Because what happens is, is I can't get away with what Drake or whatever somebody else does. They got nine minute intros. I can't yeah. get away with that. Yeah, I'm Eddie McGee, <laughs> not Drake. So I can't. Mm-hmm. So it's best to put your product on the table as soon as possible. Yeah. And when that product is dope, now people are like, okay, hold on, what's up? What's up with track two? Oh, track two is cold. Oh, okay, let me. Get... They might skip one because people find their favorites at first, but then mm-hmm. they come back. They're like, oh shit. Yeah. So that's important. What you said made a lot of sense, especially with that second track following up the first one. Oh yeah, most definitely because I'm not saying it has to match the energy, but you definitely want people to stay locked in right. for as long as they can possibly be mm-hmm. locked in. Mm-hmm. I want to say like maybe. If you have four or five favorites from a project, the project was solid. Facts. That's hard to do. If you can at least have four <laughs> or five favorites, my, like obviously it depends on the length of the album. But mm-hmm. if you got at least four songs that you're coming back to from an artist, that means the project was was solid. Mm-hmm. Facts. Yeah. Because if you if you know you putting out a twenty song project and you know we only coming back to the song that was already out, that's an issue. Yeah. Ooh. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I see your um your SoundCloud numbers are pretty crazy. Like, do you do you remember like how that happened, or did you just wake up one day and you just had like two hundred thousand views on a song or listens on a song or something? Man, honestly, when it really started going crazy was fall of twenty nineteen. Uh huh. That was when I released um Champagne Summer. I mm-hmm. released that on November third of twenty nineteen. I remember that date specifically because. I just remember people telling me, why are you putting out a summer song in the winter? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, first of all, <laughs> I just, I had just made the song in October. So it's right. just like, I want it to come out as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that song at the time when, when we dropped it, it did all right. The mm-hmm. numbers were, were fine. It, it did, it did solid. Like I think on a first day listen, it got like three like 350 350 mm-hmm. streams overnight it mm-hmm. didn't do too bad mm-hmm. i just kept seeing that song grow mm-hmm. song kept growing and growing mm-hmm. and till this day you can ask my manager we put no money towards that song it just did what it did on its own mm-hmm. and it was just growing organically mm-hmm. middle of the summer it was at like eighty five thousand plays with no promo and then it so that's that's pretty much when i started to see a big shift in the numbers mm-hmm. yeah i think what was dope about soundcloud and this may be a biased take but what's dope about soundcloud is some of the best artists are on there yeah <laughs> they are. And some people that i'll be i have no idea what some people are and i'll click on their music and like this is so fucking dope Man. Like who is this guy? And then I'll I'll even message people. Hey man, this is crazy. Yeah, you know, keep well, it. Well, it's it's another thing too is because internationally, I think that's that's one of the only 
platforms that's like universal and free right it's soundcloud and youtube but Mm -hmm. there's a lot more people on soundcloud than there is youtube because it's so easy to upload yeah Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous yeah Yeah. so Mm -hmm. like you got people who are just making music at a rapid pace that just want to put shit out and they just put out on soundcloud Mm -hmm. true um i was thinking too what's dope about uh them is is the the analytics when you go in depth you'd be like you, you really don't realize how many people fucking with you. And then you look at these bubbles, you'd be like, Sacramento? Detroit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you'd be like, and you look at the numbers from Detroit, you'd be like, they really rock with me that heavy? Shit, for me, that's that's Canada. Canada. That's crazy. And, yeah. and, and you kind of, what happens to, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. You kind of get, um, what do you call that? Um, what's that syndrome where people have? You're talking about it. Not pretender syndrome. Um... You're thinking about it. Imposter. Imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You'll see like numbers from a different country and you'll be like, oh, they ain't trying to listen to me. They must have made a mistake or something. And you keep seeing the numbers go up and up and up and up. And you're like, yo, they really fucking with me out there. That's dope. Yeah. What was dope about that is you could tour out there. Facts. That's a fact. Like if you look at them numbers and they keep going up, you just develop the pocket of people. It's kind of what happened to fucking uh, with Russ. Yeah, I was just about to say <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I was just about to say that. And you end up touring yeah. and selling out and selling like real tickets, selling out. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you end up going to Canada and then you got a pocket of people in uh, Nigeria. And then you got a pocket of people in, I don't know, in, in the United States in Boston or something. It's just you can't help who likes your music. It just right. happens. Yeah. Have you noticed any? I don't say you got to disclose any information. Have you noticed any pockets like in the states that tripped you out? Yeah, uh, one <laughs> one recently that that tripped me out was Brooklyn. Wow, like, <laughs> Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn was one of them ones. Shout like, out to Brooklyn. R- yeah, shout out to Brooklyn for real. Right after we dropped Shameful, um, mm-hmm. Brooklyn was really fucking with that. Really, like ext- that was dope. And probably like one of the most. The hottest areas as far as where I'm getting my listens is in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. So shout That's out Brooklyn. Crazy. Yeah. I was there once. We had to shoot some music videos out there. And they was they seem to be like really tapped in what what's going on over here on the West Coast. Really? You no. Know, yeah. Just a couple of people that I talked to, they was familiar with a lot of artists out here. You know, so that's dope. That'd be dope, y'all. We fucking with Ness Heavy B. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I gotta, I gotta link up with somebody from Brooklyn, have them say that, and put it on the track. Yeah, yeah I know, right? Dope. Yeah, yeah. They probably they fuck with you even more heavy. They see that you, you know, you recognize them. That's what I do love about because it, it gives you exactly where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Like we know it's a huge pocket in Sacramento. He's like, what the fuck. I mean, it's in California. I get it, but like, yeah. soccer, we we from here. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> we get love out here. But I looked at it. I told Keith, he was like, "Huh?" Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah do you dope. think um, you think you'll do more rapping on future projects? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. It's because I realize what people want to hear from me. Yeah, and that honestly was something that took me a long time to figure out <laughs> because. I like making music, just all avenues of music, but mm-hmm. learning how to really control control it and just focusing on what people want to hear, mm-hmm. especially from you, mm-hmm. that kind of helped me shape the type of music I make now, mm-hmm. it was, which is more like R&B, commercial R&B kind of pop in that area. Mm-hmm. So I understand that people want to hear that from me. So I'm going to just keep continuing to give them more of that. Try to just elevate it. I'll mm-hmm. definitely add rap elements to it, which is 
you still hear that like on shameful i feel like i rapped a little bit more mm-hmm. so it's like you'll you'll still get that from me i just i can't say that i'm gonna go give you a full just rap full, project like, right, right right just bar bars. start barring up 16 <laughs> bars <but. laughs> start that's up. real it's important yeah. to to be aware of the pulse of what people want to hear because sometimes you could go against yourself if you keep going too left mm-hmm. yeah so i think that's dope um in regards to fan base, how important do you think a female fan base is in regards to what you're doing? It's so important. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. It, uh, the female. Let me let me let me just say this: the female <laughs> fan base will take you there. No pun intended. But I believe it. the female fan base will <laughs> will real life elevate your craft. They'll mm-hmm. elevate the game because, man, people like. Niggas will literally hop on something just because females is fucking with it. Facts. Yeah. They don't even have to be interested in that artist. They're like, oh shit, she just posted his music. Bet. Mm-hmm. Let me let me go on SoundCloud. See what see what you talking about. Mm-hmm. They don't even like the shit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that just shows you how important the female influence is on music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just in general. I, I've noticed that women don't feel the need to compete or like if they fuck with something, they fuck with it and they share it. So they're a much more loyal fan base. A lot of men be like, oh, yeah, like, he dope, but I ain't going to tell nobody. I'm going to listen yeah. to it by myself in my car, but I ain't, yeah. ain't going to tell nobody. They like to hold the artists in their little pocket until they start blowing up. And then they're like, oh, no, nah, see, I was one of the first yeah, people. I, was <laughs> first. I, was <laughs> I see that shit so often. Right. So often. Like, more recent one was when uh when Roddy Rich started blowing up. It was, mm-hmm. it was niggas saying, like, bro, I was... I was listening to Roddy Rich when Roddy Rich wasn't even Roddy Rich. I'm yeah. like, bro, yeah. shut your ass up. <laughs> <laughs> I used to call him Petey back in the day. <laughs> he had a song. You're like, oh, God. They start pulling out these stories out their ass like they done knew him. They knew yeah. him. that knew somebody. I'm like, bro, <laughs> y'all, now y'all getting a little too informative for me. <laughs> yeah. People like to hold on to that. I think, I think it's cool. I think it's cool when you like, yo, I bought or i listened to this first mixtape and that kind of stuff but it's it's people just like bragging rights they do but also too like people got to understand that artists and fashion and sports this is all progressive Mm -hmm. true artists gotta evolve with the times like you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. and music ain't always gonna stay the way it is like Mm -hmm. Look, J. Cole singing on auto-tune now. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> Lil Wayne started started like actually sounding sounding good melodically. Like Yeah, that's a trip. The man. whole the whole game is changing. And yeah. people gotta realize that the artists ain't gonna make that kind of music forever. They gotta they gotta expand. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah, especially yeah. you listen to Sir, like you brought up uh, Childish Gambino earlier, how he was rapping, rapping. It went from that to this. Yeah. And a lot of his fan base is like, oh, what is this? I, I'm not fucking with this. Man. And then, you know, a lot of his fan base is like, I like this. You know, mm-hmm. this is pretty dope. Um, but that was his own evolution. But I think in regards to like, I think this is the reason why Drake is still relevant too. <clears throat> Drake is able to collaborate with young artists. Like the little babies of the world. And sound good collaborating with them. Right. Because there there has been some older rappers that have tried to make a comeback with some of these young cats. And <laughs> it don't right. it don't work out too well. Like nah. Ludacris didn't try to make a come he didn't, <laughs> he didn't try it a few times already. <laughs> Shout out Luda, but yeah. that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you could be dope and still not be relevant. Yeah. So you know, like we we in no way we trying to say that he'd whack or none of that. It's yeah. just that sometimes 
you expire. That sound expires. Like Nelly couldn't come back and do something significant now. Ludacris couldn't. Which it's, is unfortunate because Nelly is like, I wouldn't say he's a father of a lot of these musicians, but he was the one singing. Singing yeah. rapper. Yeah. 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 Well, he, yeah, him and Ja Rule. Ja Rule, yeah. Don't forget about Ja Rule with that raspy. And, and, uh, and DMX. Yeah, DMX. Recipes DMX. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a trip. You you want to know what rapper has stood the test of time and has like literally been through all these generations, like all these different. I new feel genre. like I, I might know who you're talking about. Who is that? Go ahead. E forty oh. man. Okay, see, E forty been around okay. since 80, 88, 87. and from that, like, Sheesh. yeah, he been around and like he the type of dude that our parents could listen to him and like him, and then the young generation still listen to him because he collaborating with like Mozzie and other young artists. So he somehow was able to remain relevant. But besides him, I don't really know any old acts that are still making music. That's true. Because Dr. Dre didn't said the chronic was coming out. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> he, he said detox was coming out. Since. Man, detox been on the way since I was in fifth grade. <laughs> that's <not> crazy. <laughs> that's a trip. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, DMX. I wonder how that project would be now. How would age? Who? Uh, Dr. Dre? Yeah, because oh. he's been talking about this album for a yeah. long time. He put out the uh, Compton album when uh, when the movie came out. Yeah, but no. I thought that was pretty dope. I thought, see, I was under the impression that that was Detox until yeah. he got on the air and said that that it's wasn't not, Detox. It's not <laughs> Detox. <laughs> yeah. And he made it in like a week. Man, and, and like, then on top of that, he's in the studio with Anderson Pack the next day saying, oh yeah, we working on Detox. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. I think you. I think you get to a place for him. Like he's done everything, and he's been around since the late '80s. So yeah, it's like. But you know. how I see it though is like, we also didn't think that Jay Electronica was ever going to come out with a solo project. Yeah, he and yeah. finally did. Yeah, yeah well, semi solo. So Dr. Dre Jay, ain't got no Jay-Z more excuses. Was on there. Yeah. Yeah, Jay was on there for how many songs? He was on there a lot, a lot of the songs. A lot of the songs. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of felt like. It sounded more like a joint project than a yeah. Yeah, that's my that's yeah. my because didn't yeah. act didn't he finally release Act Two like after that on title? Uh, I think it did. I, it I didn't did. even listen to that because I was like, you know, after I heard the Jay Z collaboration album, I was like, this is like Watch the Throne, Watch the Throne Two or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's what people was calling it on Twitter yeah. though. It yeah. was like it's literally Watch the Throne Two just with <laughs> with a saner rapper. Yeah, <laughs> with a saner rapper. <laughs> I was I was uh, like, yeah. man, this that is basically what we got though. Like mm-hmm. and I think that was a lot of the criticism that followed that project was a lot of, you know, older cats wanted a Jay Electronica solo album. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I wanted too, but like yeah. I wasn't mad at what we got. I think for him and, and he might have fell victim to the pressure. Like, you know, you technically been working on an album for like eight years or something crazy yeah, like that. It's like, if I put out a dud, then, you know, it's going to look bad. Yeah. I don't know. Just the frequency in which a lot of younger acts, especially now put out music is just so different. Yeah. It's only certain acts that were certain people where it's not expected. Like the schoolboy cues. We probably won't see him for another four years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shit, it's been four years since Kendrick dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, TDE. Yeah, shit. we don't see. Yeah, yeah. They they have some. It's a uh, Sir is really dope too. Yeah, but I don't. Sir is dope. Yeah. I, what's the last? What's the last album? What's the last time he released an album? It was last year. I think it was like last year. It's recent, so. right? Yeah, or I think twenty nineteen. 
2019, yeah. 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 Well, he's dope. But mm-hmm. those guys, you don't really expect too much because, you know, they I guess that's consistent still, though, because I think they talked to Schoolboy Q about that. He said, I, I drop every four years. That's consistent. I'm like, man, you've got a point. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you also talk to artists and you see how many songs this guy's putting out in two years. That's almost 200 songs. Yeah. That's they be working, working still. It's just I think they they have a a legit label and, you know, they have a hierarchy and mm. the, whole, the whole thing. And I think I feel like, honestly, I think Kendrick and SZA probably I think SZA now, not not her last album, because she was kind of like complaining on Twitter. But now she probably <laughs> can move a little bit more freely because she, you know, her album came out and it did really well. Right. So and same with Kendrick, I feel like Kendrick could probably move whenever yeah. he wants to. I'm expecting something from him soon. I don't know why. I just feel like he's gonna drop soon. I do too. Yeah. I also realized that whenever Cole drops, don't Kendrick always drop? Probably. What is this? Is there like a couple months in between them dropping albums? Um, probably so. I, but I think everybody's gonna drop this year. Drake, just, Cole, yeah. and Kendrick. Because the Drake world is, is opening up. The world is opening up. I think I think Drake will drop before Kendrick. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious to see what their um their singles are gonna be. Yeah. Cause I feel like what Drake uh, what J. Cole did is he he made like almost like a mixtape where he just rapping, rapping, right? So I feel like these are and I know these guys are all looking at each other like so I'm curious to see like if Drake comes out with a, a very poppy single like would he do that or is he gonna leave with something where he's like rapping rapping rap do you still think he gonna put out a single though or do you think he's just gonna drop the project I'm I feel like he because I thought that laugh now cry later was, was a enough. single yeah, yeah that is a single pretty much yeah yeah but also it's been a like a cool gap since then so I yeah. can see him dropping another single yeah I think mm. I just think he probably what happens a lot with those kind of things is he'll put his album together and then that'll be like the last, like that'll be number 16 or something. Like sometimes like he'll be working on his project and I don't even fit within the story. I wonder what, so the, he'll put, I wonder he'll what put the track that, list is going to look like. Like how many songs <clears throat> he'll drop. Because nowadays you ain't got to drop nothing but seven, about seven songs. That'd be an EP though. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You need a certain Shit, length, Drake, a certain man. number. He be putting out like 18, 15, 19 songs. 18. I think with Drake, 17 tracks is solid. Yeah. yeah. I don't think nothing more than 17 from Drake is, I think after 17, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Because on your album, you got 12 tracks. And it's crazy that you made that much music and had to narrow it down to 12. 12. That yeah. shit's nuts. That's yeah. got to be a mind, <clears throat> mind-wracking experience to for months having to come down to 12 fucking songs. Especially when... You have moments with each track because mm-hmm. at some point we always talk about it. It's like the night after you get on this high and you, you're stuck on the song that you last recorded. Mm-hmm. So that happened to me a bunch of different times. Even songs that didn't end up making the cut, I had an attachment to and I just couldn't let them go. But I realized uh, like what we were talking about earlier, I realized people's attention spans. Yeah. No one's going to listen to a. 22 song project from somebody that they just found out about five minutes ago there you go so it's just understanding and also to making a discovery easier 
Because mm-hmm. by you narrowing your track list down, you're making the discovery process a lot easier for people to get into your music. Because mm-hmm. now that they see I got a project with 12 songs, they can go to my previous one, which is like 20 tracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they get deeper into the discography. So, yeah, the dopest thing about you, too, is that you have um, you have a paper trail. So what happens is, is somebody finds let's say they find one song that they like from you. They're going to go look for others. And they're going to keep going down this fucking wormhole of a bunch of music. And now that's how you get a fan. It's the same thing as um, when Russ was talking about, like, because he had 11 albums that flopped. 11. (laughs) 11 albums that flopped. And he said he did what he started doing, just releasing a song a week. And him releasing a song a week, people start gravitating to the music differently. Uh, Then eventually people went back and seen he had this whole fucking catalog full of music. And that's how he was able to engage people. And I feel like that's how you really engage fans. If you got three songs and you got three songs as dope as fuck, I really don't think you get fans like that. You get fans by with, like, withstanding the test of time. And they look back and they're just like, damn, so 2016? And then it'd be like 2026. <clears throat> and they'd be like, this motherfucker been making dope music for 10 years? Yeah. That's how you really be engaging. Like People don't realize uh, uh, 2 chains. He didn't really blow up till 36 years old. <laughs> like, I'm 36 now. <laughs> so he was Titty Boy and whatnot, you know, and he was with uh the Dungeon family. And who, who was he signed to before that? Uh, he was a Ludacris. I think he was. Yeah, he was a Ludacris. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, I forgot the name of the group. Though. DTP? D- yeah, yeah. D- yeah, DTP. Mm-hmm. He's with them, but he really didn't really go nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then not until he was, he released True Religion. Um that mixtape and then that's when he really start taking off mm-hmm. but i mean who would expect to have a career at 36 a lot of people give up man mm-hmm. that's crazy i think the dope thing you have too is you're only 22 years old are you 23 or 22 22 you're 22 years old so imagine where <laughs> shit's gonna be by the time you 25 26 with all that fucking music that's crazy not to mention the the um the level of the music that that's going to be on is exactly is going to be insane. Yes. <laughs> I just like, I'm not one. And and like, this is something I don't want to make, make sure like I, I'm not one that's like overly confident, but at this point, like I do take a lot of pride in, in my work in my right. art. So it's, it's like, at this point, I feel like I'm making the best music that I've ever made. Right. So if I feel that way now, imagine like three years. From that's now, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And that's okay to feel that way because I'm sure you could listen to your music objectively and say it's some of the first shit you made. You'd be like, yeah, my shit way better than that now. Mm-hmm. And then you think about where you're going to be in three to four to five years. That shit's going to be way crazy. Who knows what type of sound and what what kind of stuff you're going to be putting out then? Yeah. It should be nuts, man. Especially the life experience that I'm going to go through and yeah. being able to talk about that. Think about the, think about the DMs you're going to get from certain artists. And certain things that want to collaborate, like you, you have to have the foresight to see that shit, you know, and and believe it. It's like it's people would think you're crazy, but you have to be crazy. That's the that's the only way you make it. (laughs) It's true. It's friends, family, whoever they could love what you do, but they'll be thinking that you're crazy at the same time. That's fine, but there's nothing they can do to help you. Yeah, people got to be on your level of dedication and you know that that tunnel vision. To know what you're going through. Yeah. Cause you're not making music just for recreational purposes. Like you making it because you really want to make it in music. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's a dope thing, man. Mm-hmm. 
understanding that love for it. Right. So. Yeah. I had this, uh, I noticed you use like uh, a lot of interpolations, like use the back in the day reference. And I think there's one that's kind of alluding to like the Aaliyah, uh, the Aaliyah song. Um, why do you think that's important to, to keep me in music? Is it just kind of like nostalgic purposes or? For sure. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's because I grew up listening to that music. So mm-hmm. it's very reminiscent on my childhood. Mm-hmm. So I always like to add, keep those elements in my music. Um mm-hmm. Cause I mean, <clears throat> shit, I'm not the only one that feels that way. Yeah. Obviously, you know, people that are listening to it, like, like you were able to pick up on that. Mm-hmm. So it's like people that are listening, they're, they're really listening and mm-hmm. you know, they're grabbing that and they're like, okay, like I see what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the reason why I keep it in there. Yeah. That's cool. I think uh, I know like Kendrick does a lot of that. He'll, he'll pick up lines from corrupt or, you know, just different people and, yeah. and sprinkle them in there. So I think that's dope. So you yeah. gotta be like a low key like music slash hip hop head to like catch that shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But people that catch it, like it's it's like a double, it's like a double gift. Like they <clears throat> fuck with you, and then they see that you fuck with somebody else. They fuck with. Yeah. So then it's like, oh, this nigga's dope. Yeah. <laughs> but not only that, but that's also a way that I gauge traction from an older audience. Oh, because mm-hmm. they know where it's from, mm-hmm. and they're like damn like he's 22 and he know where that's from like yeah. okay let me go listen to what he has going on like right that's another reason why i added in there is so that way like i'm touching all bases as far as ages are concerned right? yeah because i get the new school and you get the attention and the love from the old school as well so mm-hmm. it's just other things that are allowing my music to navigate in in different age groups that's mm-hmm. dope dude Cause you kind of fucked me up with the NBA knowledge earlier. Cause you 22 and a lot of younger dudes are like a victim of the moment. They'd be like, nah, you know, uh, Trey Young, the coldest and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's like, you was going all the way back. Yeah. Like you and your manager having these conversations. I was like, y'all really be, y'all really give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> cause other than music, my first love was basketball. Cause growing up, my brother played basketball. My mm-hmm. older brother, he played basketball in college. Um, almost played at a D1 level. So it's Mm -hmm. like growing up, basketball was a part of my culture. It was a part of, you know, just household conversations. Me and my dad would stay up until like 3 a.m. just talking sports. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's one of those things that kept me and my brothers like deeply knitted. And Mm -hmm. that's that's just something that we share. It's just a love for basketball. So That's dope. What's the age gaps between your brothers? The oldest one is 31. Next one is 29. And then my sister's going to be... 30 this year so that's dope that also keep you in the in the, in the know too because the influences from your older brothers and sisters or whoever yeah. that you know you kind of you kind of grab their you know their i guess uh their generation you grab their music and their influences and yeah. it drips down on you shit yeah. that's that's how i got into a lot of 90s Nickelodeon, my, <laughs> my my brother and me. Uh, what else? Mm-hmm. Like Doug, Kenan yeah. and Kale, Kenan and Kale. Um, mm-hmm. All that, the mm-hmm. early all that. Yeah. Um, guts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, they put me on all of that. That's mm-hmm. crazy. And so, like, yeah, like I said, that just that helps too with the music because mm-hmm. it's a lot more shit that I could talk about now that I yeah. got the knowledge yeah. from my my olders. So mm-hmm. that's dope. It'll be like younger cats. That, that gravitate to the, the art, but it's certain things that'll be talking over their head and they hit me. Like I'm 36 and yeah. I'll be like, oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So that's what's dope, man. Yeah, they put me on all the 
all the old shows. So it's like, I don't know. I don't went back, did my research. Um, one of the things that I think my, my brother really got me into was, um, was Star Wars. Wow. That's I, super old school. Yeah. Like, cause I think this was when, this was when I got first got my computer and I was just like, I was bored one day trying to find something to watch. I just put on Star Wars episode three and he's like, you ever seen the old school Star Wars? And he just started telling me all about it. And I was like, I was like, nah, I never knew Darth Vader took off his mask. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. So I went back, I watched all of them and I'm like, damn, this shit crazy. And so just them putting me onto that. What order did, did you watch it in the order order or like the way they came out? So at first, I watched them the way they came out, and mm-hmm. then I went back and watched them actually in order. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, wow. They did the same thing with Harry Potter books, because apparently, I mean, that, that just shows you the age gap. They read all the books before they were movies, and then mm-hmm. they told me about the books, and I was like, okay, I didn't catch that when I watched the movie. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. And so, it's just having, I think, having older siblings is definitely underrated. Yeah. Because instead of a sibling rivalry, I got to like also respect the game that they put me on yeah facts Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty dope too how um the more you know about things that you may not feel are too important it allows you to become a part of more conversations and it bleeds into your art yeah so that's what's pretty dope Mm -hmm. yeah to have those barbershop conversations (laughs) (laughs) who's top five yeah 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 yeah, it'd be sometimes. Sometimes I'm too young for some of them conversations. They'd be like, "Back in the day, DJ Dirty Dog, he was." You were like, "Who?" As <laughs> <laughs> the real, real hip hop heads. Yeah, like, I just can't let go of the the golden age of hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just be quiet. I just be quiet during them conversations. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly how I got into music. It was because of my uncle putting me on to. He put me on a straight East Coast rap. Oh wow! It's because he's from Bed Stuy, so oh. he, he had put me onto that. Oh, he definitely put you on a Wu Tang then. Yeah, he, no, he put me on Raekwon. When I tell you, he made me do like a whole hip hop history lesson, bro. <laughs> we dug deep. Yeah. He put me on a KRS One. Oh my god, yeah. like, way back. Yeah, he put me on a KRS One. Um, what else did he put me on? The dude that was signed to Dr. Dre back in the day. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Doc. Oh, okay. He put me on to him. Mm. Um. Craig Mack. Oh my goodness! Yeah, these Fla- flavor in your ear. That's that's one of my my favorite beats of all time. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a dope beat. They re- they reused that a few times. Shit, Big L. He put me on a Big L Big too. L. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he um, yeah, got you. Let me see. There was a there's a couple that Naughty by Nature, um, Tribe Called Quest. And ever oh, since yeah. he showed me Tribe Called Quest, my favorite album of all time is the Low End Theory. Yeah, that's mm. a dope ass yeah. album. That check can't... check the rhyme. Um, trying to think all those those jazz samples yeah i love that like Mm -hmm. q-tip killed that production yeah Yeah, he did q-tip killed that production yeah yeah q-tip is underrated man facts for sure yeah i was gonna ask you uh on that on that uh on the outro passion and uh passion and pleasure is that my brother on it? That, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, he nasty man. Uh, shout how out did that? Is that a voice note or how did was that? What? How did that happen? <laughs> Kasia will tell you this story because I had told him. I said, 
I want you to be on the project and yeah. I want you to like to give me a an outro. Mm-hmm. And so I had been bugging him for weeks. He's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, bro, I got you. I got you. I got you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I just been at work. I'm like, all right, bet, bet. Yeah. Like, I'm going to just, I'm going to cool off of him. I'm going to just, I'm going to just let him get it, get it to yeah. me whenever he can. I remember the night, <laughs> the night he sent this shit to me, he texted me. He was like, hey, bro, I'm about to go smoke. He said, after I'm done smoking, I'm going to send you this shit. <laughs> Bro sent me like three different takes of the same thing, and I'm like, bro, these all sound very similar. Let me just let me just go with the one that I think I should go with. Yeah. But the reason why I had him do that is because um, originally there is a there is a song that's supposed to be there that was cut, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I could I could I could speak on it. It was called um it was called All Star Weekend, mm-hmm. and it was a song I had with uh, with Joe Manor and Brandon Johnson. It was another song that um that we had made together around the same time we made Champagne Summer, which is why I had him reference the All Star Game in it. But it ended up getting cut, but I still used it because I was like, "No, nah, this shit is golden. I gotta keep yeah. this shit." So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's that how that that one came about. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> but that's the type, uh, like especially, um, you know, you referenced uh like some of the 90s hip-hop and stuff that was sprinkled all throughout that like snoop dog projects and you know even you know good kid mad city with all the skits and stuff on there yeah, i think man. that's the type some of, of stuff my favorite that, albums have yeah mm-hmm. uh doggy style is a good album too mm-hmm. that had skits on it mm-hmm. um what else yeah a lot of skits the early kanye west albums oh they had a skit yeah skits. yeah with bernie mac sure. um mm-hmm. yeah he said, damn it, Kanye. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, NWA's album, I think they had some skits on there. I mean, Kanye's album, I mean, like the skits were part of the overall theme because yeah. it was college dropout and he was like. We broke, 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 yeah, broke. Yeah, that was the one. We ain't got it. Yeah. And the other one was like, he's like, you get your degree. You get out there. and you. Yeah. He's like, we don't have any money, but he has degrees. He puts yeah. them on the wall. Like, that was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah, he that was one of those elite ones where he took it to another level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bringing in great voice actors and stuff like that. So. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and that's something that I think is a lost art in today's landscape of mm-hmm. the music industry. No one really puts together albums like that anymore. Yeah, it's all about the attention span of the listener. Yeah, and I remember there was a point in time where skits would be separate tracks. Now yes. they don't do that. We, yeah. we blend it into the songs, but yeah. that's just because we're trying to adjust, you know, with the times. Mm-hmm. Because we know that listeners, if they see the skit in between the tracklist, next. Oh man, yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing. I even think like because you know we, uh, me or not me, but Pat, you know, and I'll be tagging along, just helping him out and stuff. He shoots a lot of music, and that's one thing that I noticed, like, first of all, it's only two verses now. And then second of all, like guys like one take Jay, he coming in on a one, like the baby, you know what I mean? Like there's no, it ain't no drums at the beginning, nothing. It's like, as soon as the song dropped, the words come right in. And I, that was shocking to me seeing, seeing that in, in music. Now I'm like, dang, this is, this is crazy. Like sometimes, he, you know, back in the day, if even thinking about the verses and stuff, um, you know, the intro might be like 16 bars or something like yeah. that. And then, you know, then they start singing. And What tripped me <clears> off <throat> was the fact that songs literally went from being 16 bars to now 
12 bar verses are a thing. Yeah. Like, and it's a trip because I grew up listening to like rappers that would like give off a 16. 32s. Now, sometimes. like 32s, 48s. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like Lil Wayne would give you like a 36 bar. Mm-hmm. Like, a milli. That's, there's no, there's, a, of course, there's the a milli hook, but mm-hmm. that's basically like a full on, yeah. just, just non stop bars. Yeah. And you don't get that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I said, bars literally went from being, or songs rather, went from being like 16 bar, 8 bar hook. Now it's like 8 bar verse, sometimes even a 12 bar hook. It's just like, like you said earlier, there's no rules to this. So it's like yeah. you're able to make up your own rules. Yeah. You make up your own format. If it makes sense in your head, it makes sense. Yeah. If it sounds good, it sounds good. It feels like everyone's in a rush to get back to the chorus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's another I don't know if you heard a Rimble Rimble yeah yeah. He don't, he don't even put uh, Choruses in his songs For the most part He just be rapping And yeah. it, it's interesting Because it doesn't Sound like It sounds like There's a rhythm to it Like the cadence You know the cadence Is pretty uh, Repetitive But like The words he's saying Isn't But it's still like You could still go back to it Without feeling like It's like a freestyle If that makes sense Yeah mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. It's a trip, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. Some some of those guys you mentioned, as soon as you start the project, they just rapping. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you got to give my ear some foreplay or something. Man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't just go up in there like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, nah, that's that's true. But really, though, I was going into this project, man. I was. I'm not going to lie. I was very, very concerned about just attention span, mm-hmm. which is why I made it a point, like I said, to just jump straight into it because right. I wanted people to know that, all right, I'm not, I'm not fucking around. No games are being played. True. As soon as you turn this on, the first thing you hear is my voice because mm-hmm. I want to get straight into it. Yeah. Immediately draw people in because right when they play it and you start rapping, they're like, all right, hold on. I got to run this back. Like. Mm-hmm. He didn't just start off like that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you got to you just got to come in hot and just mm-hmm. get ready to just grab people from the jump. Yeah, that's true. I think that the the generation we live in now, in regards to this, everything has a pack impacted another thing, like indirectly, mm-hmm. like you know, Instagram. You you like something and you keep scrolling, or dating apps. People swiping and it's just everything is so quick. Everything is almost like fast food. They want it now. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is like everybody wants everything to be easy access. Nobody wants to work to find anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why, like, an artist can remain a secret for so long until people just start wanting to find out more. And it's crazy the amount of information you can find out on the Internet now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's all of this shit is really at our fingertips. Yeah, literally. Literally. Mm-hmm. It's like before, if you wanted to get some unreleased stuff by a certain artist you had to go deep in the files now this shit is on twitter (laughs) you just you just go on twitter you you go to like the um and by any means whoever's listening i'm not like praising people that pirate music but i'm just saying how i'm just letting you know how easy it is to find this stuff yeah you get like that little 30 second clip people will literally take that go to a cloud converter and boom they got 30 seconds of an unreleased drake song yeah wow that's nuts, man. Mm-hmm. I remember back in the day, they frowned. They frowned on that big time, but it was a lot of free music coming out. You remember Napster? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Napster came out. It was a lot of artists Napster. pissed off. I think Dr. Dre was one of the main ones. <laughs> LimeWire. LimeWire. That was the one. I remember when Soulja Boy was on there. Yes. Saying a brand new Lil Wayne song and it ended up being cranked at. Yeah. 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 He was. I think he. Soulja Boy won the internet. Soldier Boy should do a master class on like how to marketing. Yeah, because he won the internet. It was, <clears throat> he would put like uh, misleading titles and people yeah. would click on it and he'd be like, God damn it, it's crunch that again. Yeah. Soldier mm-hmm. Boy, he basically was like, I don't, what, what's that equivalent to? It was almost like spamming almost. Yeah, I guess so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Soldier Boy, man. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, there'll be no Soldier Boy slander on this <laughs> I, He caught another one too. His new song is kind of going yeah, crazy. Yeah, the Draco song. Mm-hmm. But it's it was weird. That's another thing too. That TikTok shit is really making people blow the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Big time. Have what? you got it on TikTok? I have a TikTok, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't really post on there. Mm-hmm. I posted maybe three things on my TikTok. The rest of it has really just been people making videos to my songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Please Me Nice has like nine videos to it. That's cool. That's so. dope. Mm-hmm. But that's organic. You wasn't like telling, hey, you need to go. Yeah. They just yeah. doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how we started it was we, we reached out to the first few people that did it. Got mm-hmm. it. And then it just sparked the algorithm. Yeah. People dope. just started making mm-hmm. TikToks to it. That's dope. That's good stuff. Yeah. You, and it's like... You can't at some point that shit just can just go viral like on some random Thursday. You'd be like, "What the fuck?" You look at your phone, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of people doing flooded it, flooded with notifications. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I forgot that artist's name. You know the dude that did the what's it called the the the, the dude that did that dance. The what's the name? Not Peanut, Junebug, the Junebug mm-hmm. Challenge dude. That song that 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 he uses. Yeah, spot him, got him. I think yeah, that's yeah. who it is. But his shit got it got big not only from the song but that dance and then it's also popular on Spotify. I mean on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, damn, these artists is blowing up off TikTok. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy because I wonder if they're aware of this shit as it's happening, mm-hmm. or do they just start to see it after it's already like popped? I don't know. I just know it's some nigga that's a rapper that's my age is pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> that's- <laughs> That's the only. That's the only thing that annoys me is like when you got to get with the times. So yeah, you can't bro. Be stuck. There's there's something to it, like you know, kind of keeping your maturity. Like you don't have to be the person dancing on TikTok, but like it's okay to still adjust with the different social media and streaming platforms and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. me and yeah. my manager, we talk about it all the time. Like, I'm real big on the idea of making a TikTok trend work, but he always tells me like. It has to be organic. Like we can't force it. And right. I think, and I, I, that's really important. It's something yes. that I'm struggling learning because mm-hmm. I see people blowing up on TikTok all the time, and I'm like, damn, we should we should do this next month, and we should start this challenge to make this shit pop. But but we, how do we know if it's really organic? Because what I go. what I know from just being around different artists is that it's money floating around behind the scenes. Mm. You know what I mean? And a lot of these TikTok uh, people. Are getting paid and it only takes one tiktok person with a million two million three million followers to do a dance and then everybody wants to do it yeah yeah a good example of that would be uh when russ released that song greatest on earth Mm -hmm. or best on earth and rihanna Mm -hmm. reposted it with her like just walking or dancing oh in slow motion yeah and it took that shit to another level yeah and then after that it was other like influencers that posted the song 
But I, like the thing about it is, is Rihanna posted it. That's a huge yeah. influencer. I had a, um, I read a book. Uh, I think it's called Hitmakers, um, and it talks about how things become viral, things become hits, and that's exactly what it said. It was they were talking about different uh, videos that went viral based off of um, a celebrity or a person with a huge influence, a guy like Justin Bieber, or like in that case, Rihanna. Rihanna posted. Uh, posted a video of her walking to to the song, and then all of a sudden it's out of here. You that's know crazy. what I mean? So um, that's I think that's what not necessarily everybody's goal should be, but just understanding that that's how this machine works, right? And it's crazy how something could already be dope, and it doesn't get the traction it deserves, mm-hmm. and then somebody puts their signature on it, and it just <clears throat> fucking explodes. It's like fuck. it's yeah. it's dope, but it's unfortunate too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I've also seen situations where. A song will get dropped. Like he said, it doesn't get the love and attention that it deserves. Two years later, the song resurfaces in the TikTok. Yeah. And it's like, this song been out for almost three years now and it's barely blowing up. Yeah. And like, that's another thing that he's constantly reminding me of. My manager is, it's mm-hmm. like, everything is, is like a time process. Things yeah. just take time. Like, we can't expect a million plays overnight. Like this shit. You got a lot though. <laughs> I've seen the numbers on SoundCloud. Yeah, Sound, SoundCloud do be going crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's dope though, man. As yeah, I don't know. I feel like um that, you know, the viral stuff is just a gift. But I, I don't think everybody's worth going viral. What I mean by that is is by the time they go viral, they only got like three songs they worked on. But a person like you has a whole catalog. So, yeah, you got one viral song, but all this other great content's back there. You just gained a shitload of fans now. Now you got a whole bunch of fans because you got a real catalog. Yeah. That's why it's important. Like, the consistency is probably one of the biggest components that help anyone's career because people just throw out the word consistency. But when you're really consistent, you start getting little nuggets here and there. Yeah. You start getting little rewards until you get that big one. Yeah. Or, I mean, some people go viral and they're actually not that talented. See what I'm saying? You know, and then they just kind of caught one because the beat see, was like, dope or whatever. I'm not going to lie and say that it's not discouraging, but also it's like, okay, then I got to work two times as harder. Yeah. So it's like, if he's blowing up off of that, cool. Let me just, let me just keep traveling on this path. And, mm-hmm. you know, because eventually when you're, when you're making music at such a rapid rate, right, and you're putting together the formula on how you're gonna roll it out, right, how you're gonna present it to the world, something is bound to catch. Something is bound yeah. to work. Things yeah. are just gonna click, and it's like, sure, we're anticipating the moment, right, but we're prepared just in case it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. right. Another thing too is you got to ask yourself with a lot of the shit that's going viral, how much of that shit has a has a decent shelf life. Not much of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not trying to be a hater at all. I'm just saying, like, a lot of that shit doesn't have a great shelf life. And I, I, to give an example, and shout out to him, but that dude that went viral, the skateboard guy, Dogface420, whatever his name mm-hmm. is, shout out to him, man. He's a positive <clears throat> guy, but, like, his page kind of turned into, like, an ad page now. He's getting money off that yeah. office, and he's always got to walk around with a fucking ocean spray bottle in his hand now. <laughs> but, <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> but it's like that type of shit can't live too long 
Yeah. You know, you could only be a 40 some year old man on a skateboard for so long. You know, because eventually people want to know and they want to find the next thing. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The next thing that's going to catch. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. People are very visual these days. So it's like you can have their attention one day and they're completely off that the next day. Yeah. It's just like going to work. You know, you have a conversation one day and the next day you you come to work trying to start that same conversation and it just doesn't work because we're not on that topic today. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Mm-hmm. And the next day you start that conversation, they're like, uh, come into my office. For, uh, we have a sexual harassment. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. Uh, what, yeah. uh, what kind of keeps you going, though? Like, you know, it's a it's a journey and everybody's path is different. So what keeps you still like chasing that that dream? Realizing where I am, understanding where I can be. Mm-hmm. That's one of the main things that keeps me going. It's like, I may be where I'm at now, making the music that I'm making, but I I know that if I just stay as consistent as I am or become more consistent, mm-hmm. um, that eventually everything's going to sort itself out. It's just a matter of understanding the grind, realizing the sacrifices that it's going to take and that it's taken to get there. Mm-hmm. It's all keeping me grounded. And it just keeps me focused because right. I know that um, in due time, things will, will pan out. And also, too, is just having having the man up top in my corner mm-hmm. at all times. And mm-hmm. I know he's always watching and he has a plan mm-hmm. for me. So mm-hmm. I just know that there's a higher power working and I'm doing my part. He's doing his part. And we can't lose. Mm-hmm. The only person that you have to battle is yourself and that little bit of self-doubt that pops up here and there. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is anybody chasing any goal or anything that's crazy, you have that little bit of self-doubt, but you destroy it every time you make a good song. You destroy it every time you get up at four in the morning or you do you just keep putting out music and, and working harder than you did the day before. And that kind of kills the self-doubt. But eventually you'll be where you want to be. I, mm-hmm. That's just my theory. That's just my thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I just my I won't say my advice, but I feel like me and Keith could relate in some way because we're putting out content. You just got to stay in the game. Yeah, that's part of it. A lot of people <clears throat> didn't stay in the game and they've who knows what they missed out on. Yeah, you just got to stay in tune. Even if you're not putting out content, you got to just keep taking notes. You got to always be on your P's and Q's. Mm hmm. I mean, just got to understand the landscape and the environment that you're working in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and what's crazy, too, is I'm sure there's things besides music that keep you in the game. Like, it, there's a whole bunch of shit that goes into what you're doing. It's not just music. It's merch. Yeah. It's fucking. It's uh, fashion. It's, yeah, it's, it's all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. It's promotion. It's just different outlets. Yeah. It's just understanding different avenues. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that I have at my advantage is that. I'm very artistic. And what I mean by that is like, um, I'm real, cause I took an art class in, in college and um, I studied art. I'm very in tune with like aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So I kind of understand what could, what could pop to the eye as far as like how to present myself in a photo shoot, what I want to put together, what outfits I want to wear. Like, so I think I have that to my advantage. Also, I make my own cover art and I do a graphic design aside from making music. So that's dope, dude. Mm-hmm. So it's like I I get that creative side just from loving art. 
Mm. And that's another thing that keeps me in the game is I'm paying attention to like different things that I can add as far as like cover arts or just different elements to the cover art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what's dope too is you start to um create new relationships with the art that you're putting out, whether it's music or something else, you start meeting certain people and those people can help push your career forward, believe it or not. Like, you know, me and Keith, we hope that we could be of some help to you in some way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just think it, what starts to happen is, is these small doors or these alleyways start opening up and new people start popping up. Yeah. But if you don't create content, you probably would never see these people. Exactly. Or just connect with people. Mm hmm. A lot of it, too, is just meeting people at events and they've heard my music. 100%. And actually shaking hands with people versus DMing them. Right. That makes more of a difference because you get that genuine connection in person. And they're like, aside from the music, he's a dope-ass individual that I I would love to see this person win. Even though I don't listen to his music like that, I would just love to connect him with some people, you know? And like, like you're saying, like... Getting in contact with those people that can possibly push your career forward is super important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you one that never gets old and it fucks me up every time it happens. Let's say you're at the grocery store or something. They're like, oh, that's Ness. Hey, I love your album. You didn't ask that person to say that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, it may, I'm not going to lie. It feels good. It does. It feels good because it's, it's like it's kind of like a, uh, it's probably a horrible analogy. It's kind of like a dog getting a treat, you know? That's a bad analogy. Um, but <laughs> no, there's a there's a term for it. I just I forget the term. Uh, not affirmation. No, it's like a. It's more of a phrase. Mm-hmm. I hmm. forgot. I'm not sure. It's like it's yeah. what happens whenever like us. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. Your first time listening to something, mm-hmm. you'll never forget like somebody saying oh like they're they're like the newcomers you'll never forget that feeling of a newcomer mm-hmm. it's like a newcomer will it'll never get old to you mm-hmm. like yeah the, exactly like hey bro like i heard i heard this or like you're you're dope like that feeling of just that affirmation you get from hearing that that'll yes. never go away mm-hmm. yes and you need those because mm-hmm. those are ego boosters those can change packs. a whole mood those is battery packs <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause it, I had that happen when I was, I went to, was it a dollar general? I think it was at. And he's like, Oh man, you I love your podcast, man. It's inspiring. And I was just like, and I had a mask on my face. Like how the fuck did you know who I was with this mask? Facts. But I just think it's dope that people take the time to really invest in what you're doing. You never know who's listening, man. At all true. the people on your, at all the people on your, uh, your SoundCloud, it's a lot of people that follow you on other platforms. That they follow you on there because they found your music. Yeah. So it's like these are the people that you really want to continue to work and do your do what you're passionate about, but put this music out specifically for them, so they can really enjoy it. Yeah. What What is um I guess like a common misconception about an artist on the come up as far as like paying for studio time or you know just working a regular job to you know, pay for studio time and equipment and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't necessarily say there's a misconception, but there's definitely a cliche Mm -hmm. surrounding upcoming artists that feel like it's corny to have a nine to five. Mm. Like a lot of people think that that's corny to be working a fast food job and be pursuing this Mm -hmm. as a form of a career path. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, that's important. You need a nine to five to make this shit happen. You can't just make music and expect people to invest in you because they believe in this just as much as you do. There's going to be people that don't. hundred percent. Even like people that you surround yourself with, they may say that they fuck with it, but they're not willing to invest. Mm. But you got to be willing to do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. That so I, I don't I don't think there's a misconception. I just think that that's a big cliche. People think that they don't need a nine to five job. They need to make this their full time. But it's like until you get to that point, you need something keeping you stable because you're gonna you're gonna have to put some serious money into this. Like yes, and that's not just promotion. That's studio time. That's yeah. paying people to make cover art. That's paying for videos. It's all these little things matter and. Without a nine to five, this shit won't work. hundred percent. But I think there's there's another layer to that. I think the nine to five is motivating you because that's something you never want to do long term. So sure. when you have when you're working this job that you don't want to do long term and you invest and work on what you really love and want to do, you've got more than just your motivation pushing you. You've got the real world, the real world, because if you look at. And this is no slight to any of our family members, but if you look at your uncles or aunts or people you know, and they're not really happy. Yeah. You know, they, they don't do what they want to do, basically. Like, I'm a truck driver, and I don't I don't love it. It's a job. It, I mean, it. I take care of it. I mean, I make a decent living, but I don't want to do this shit no more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd rather be doing podcasting full time, you know, and selling merch and, you know, uh, doing live podcasts and things of that nature. But until I make it there, I have to work a job. And that's the reality of it. That job should be motivating you. The yeah. fact that you don't want to work for somebody else. The fact that, you know, you two could split off and make money doing what you love together. I yeah. think that's a dope that's a dope thing to pursue. And he has a really dope saying. And when he told me this shit, I never <laughs> forgot it. Mm-hmm. He told me, um, as soon as he said it, I was like, Either this this dude is a fucking genius, or like, <laughs> I've never thought of this shit before. Yeah, and that was anything that's too comfortable isn't good for you. And I was like, why the fuck did I not think of that? <laughs> that's a fact, bro. But it was true though, because he was just like, whenever you get too comfortable, it's not a good thing. He's like, yeah. you may be at a job and it's going great, but the moment that it stops feeling like a job and you just you go to work having fun. It's no longer good for you. Mm, that's a good point. Because like at that point, you're like, you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're okay with being at the bottom of the barrel. And that's that's, that's an issue because you should never get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And once he said that shit, I was just like, he only said it one time. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that one time was enough and I'm stuck with it. Some shit yeah. hits you, bro. Some shit hits you and you never forget it. Yeah. Like to prove his point where he's correct, why do you think J. Cole playing basketball at 36? He talked about this is the time in your life where rappers get comfortable. He talked about how he became complacent. You see that little mini documentary he put yeah. out? So it just shows like when you get comfortable, that could be dangerous, even when you J. Cole. Yeah. Yeah. So J. Cole, <laughs> he made a, a studio beneath his house where he could work and then go and uh, practice for basketball and he was literally living in a world of just structure towards his goals you would think somebody like that could just just go just away chill. And just chill but i will say this though there's a difference between 
comfortability mm-hmm. and complacency. Facts. Mm. There's a big difference. You like, let me go back on that though. It, it is okay to get comfortable. It's not okay to become complacent. Mm. So what I mean by that is basically like, it's okay to understand where you're at as long as you keep working and you're, you're, you're still trying to polish your craft. At that point, if you can say that, oh yeah, I'm content with where I'm at right now, but I'm still working versus, you know what, I'm, where I'm at is cool right now. I'm, I'm just going to chill for now. That's complacency. Mm, so like you. there's, there's just different, there's like, there's a different meaning behind both of those, but mm-hmm. people oftentimes associate with complacency with comfortability. And I think there's a big difference Yeah, mm-hmm. there is because you can be comfortable and not be complacent, mm-hmm. but you can't be complacent and you know, the vice versa. So mm-hmm. yeah. Being complacent is like seeing something that could potentially be a problem and you just don't do anything. Exactly. But you know, being comfortable is like, Oh, this is great. Everything's going good. Yay. And, yeah. And then actually that's bad because you're not progressing. There's a saying that it says, um, if you're not getting, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And I hundred percent. Like, Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's a difference between <laughs> this is an extreme example, but there's uh-huh. a difference between patches on the sink versus the sink leaking every night <laughs> hmm. because you're, you're, you're trying to fix it. Hmm. If this, if this, if the sink is just leaking, leaking and your house is flooded and you just got towels that's complacency because you're nice. not ever going to get that fixed. Mm-hmm. But if you're consistently patching it up with tape, at least you're working on it. Mm-hmm. It's a very extreme example, but it's in the same context. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's actually a good analogy. Much better than the one I tried to use earlier. <laughs> <laughs> good, because I was going to go with like the roof leaking. <laughs> now, if the roof's leaking, just get a bucket. Okay? Just get a big bucket or, or a pan. <laughs> that's funny. No, I think I, I agree. I think that I know for me, I, I just try to do new things like every so often just to kind of, you know, lean into that uncomfortability, you yeah. know, do things that make me nervous or do things that I'm just like, ah, I don't it's see not myself drugs, doing right? No, 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 no. Maybe a line or two there. He's <laughs> like, this wasn't a challenge. I feel, I feel bad. <laughs> oh, man. No, but that is true, though, because um, I do... I don't do this intentionally, but I do catch myself when I'm working on a project. I am. I noticed that each project I've done something different mm-hmm. where it was either my approach. It was the people I was around. It was places that I went to that mm-hmm. I wouldn't normally go to. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just different things. And it really does help whenever you go through different experiences because you're able to talk about more things. hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Bro, your shit, man, by the time you get close to 30, your shit going to be crazy. You're going to see so much shit. Yeah. You're going to see so much. It's, it's so much of that shit's going to impact your music. That's crazy. You might turn into like, you might go from this music to turn it into like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Jamaican singer. You might turn into Bob Marley, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dope. crazy part about musicians' careers. Like, you don't write. In this moment, you don't know what your music is going to sound Mm-mm. like three years from exactly. now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Because yeah. you, you can see the evolution in certain artists. There definitely been some evo- some uh, evolving in uh, with J. Cole from the music he first started putting out. Yeah. It's, the tone is there still, but it's yeah. definitely has changed. Yeah. yeah. I was looking. I was thinking about... Uh, Charles Gambino's um yeah his latest or his last two albums and thinking about having that same conversation like 
you think the producer that he works with is Ludwig. Ludwig scored Black Panther. So you just see like some of the influence or, you know, just we talk about living life. You know, Ludwig actually went to Africa and met with some of the people that the, play the talking drums and that's stuff the, like that. The white dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was at the live concert, at the concert we went yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. He did a solo. Yeah. That was um, dope. Yeah. Jeez. So he produces a, a, a lot of the, the majority of the album albums. And uh, like I was saying, he, he did the score for Black Panther and he did the score for um, the Mandalorian and some other stuff. And then just imagine like both of them just growing as artists and then right. they just meet and, you know, they. You so know. you mean to tell me he went to Wakanda in order to um, get the experience yeah. to do production for Childish Gambino? Mm-hmm. So did he get vibranium in order to. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Come back with vibranium steel drums <laughs> on a whole nother level now. <laughs> That's so dope. Yeah, he was. That was a dope solo. Like three, that was three years ago, man. Yeah, three years ago, 2018, right? Mm-hmm. 2018, we went to a Childish Gambino concert. I think it's his last one, wasn't it? His last tour. Yeah, his last tour. Was was that the one that was in Joshua? That was at Joshua Tree. Uh, no, this was. At, uh, this was at it's the, the same album, but. The Joshua Tree was like the prequel to uh, the rollout for uh, Got it. Awake, Awaken My Love. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I had actually just went to Joshua Tree. It's an interesting place. Really? I, like just talking about those experiences that just kind of stick with you and shape the way you see the world. Like, yeah, it's just cool to be out there. That's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a pretty dope. <clears throat> I think that a live, live instruments mm-hmm. really change the way you hear music. Like, because uh, who opened it was um, Ray Schremer. Ray Schremer opened mm-hmm. for Charles Gambino, which you wouldn't think that that would. But it was they were pretty dope, but they just had music over speakers. And then once they went off and Charles Gambino came on, you just had all the instruments. And that shit was crazy. Yeah. It was so fucking loud. It sounded like you put a like you put a airplane inside of, <laughs> of the Western form. It was that yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's because that's what we one thing that we did take away, like and even the even the levels of people and how that is not really real. You know what I mean? Because you think Ray Schremer, they got number one records, Black yeah. Beatles and all kind of stuff. Um, but when Gambino came out, first he had like they were just uh, they just had a DJ out there, you know, just scratching and playing the songs. But when he came out, first of all, the energy shifted in the building, yeah, and then like the live, like you said, like I the bet. live instrumentation was just like completely, yeah. completely. <laughs> he was crazy. probably backstage, like, all right, let me get my shit off. Yeah, because <laughs> Ray Schremer, uh, uh, Swaley was like, "Y'all ready to see Gambino?" And then everybody went crazy. Yeah, and then hordes of people poured in. Yeah, literally hordes of people poured in yeah. for Gambino. But you, you th- if, if you look at the numbers from these artists, right, Spotify, you would see the Ray Schremer's killing Gambino on numbers, right? But that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like, that doesn't matter. It's how you, how these people gravitate to the art. So it's like, don't. What stuck- I realized, too, sorry to cut you off, <laughs> is good. that, you know, like when you look on Spotify, there's the, the monthly listener and right. how many the song plays. But sometimes a monthly listener can be misleading yeah. because it it only actually means that the individual people that are listening each month. It doesn't account for how many times they're listening to the different songs and stuff like that. Mm, that's true. So that's it could be true. somebody with um, 200 monthly listeners, but they just plan songs back to back, back to, to back. back to back. Mm-hmm. So that shit is crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, to add to that too, um, people don't realize 
the impact of individual fan bases. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Because like 500 500 people that listen to that listen Mm -hmm. to that one artist Mm -hmm. versus 500 people that listen to a new artist. Mm -hmm. It's a big difference because those 500 people that was listening to the OG artist, they're locked in on everything that he puts out. Yeah. A newer artist doesn't necessarily have that strong of a fan base because people know them from different things. Mm -hmm. A lot of these artists aren't gaining fans because of their music. A lot of these artists are just gaining fans because they may have posted a dope picture online or Mm -hmm. a lot of people like the way some of these SoundCloud rappers look Mm -hmm. versus their actual music. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just to add to what he was saying when he said like hordes of people came in to see Gambino because they've been rocking with Gambino from the jump. Mm-hmm. versus the new fans who probably fucked with Ray Schremer. This is no knock on Ray Schremer, right. but it's just like they probably have like 10 other artists in their playlist. Gambino's at the point right now where there's people that listen solely to Gambino. Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah. understanding fan bases and the impact that they can have on artists is... 100%. It's like you can really just study that. Yeah, and it, it doesn't just stop with the new artists. It, it's like even the Drake. I'd rather have... J. Cole's following than Drake's. J. Cole has diehard fans. Like, he has like a little, it's almost like uh, Beyonce's Beehive. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Uh, they J. had Cole. the Dollar in a Dream Tour yeah. in LA. And basically, what they would do is they would, he would tweet out the uh, address um, the day of. Mm-hmm. So we went out there in hopes to go see the concert. And, uh, we was driving around LA just trying to like be in the vicinity and they tweeted out the address and then we hopped on there. We probably got there in like 20 minutes. But by the time we got there, it was like this theater that hold held like 900 people or something like that. It was like wrapped around the corner, oh probably like God. two blocks. By the time we got there, it was only 20 minutes. Yeah. So yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Drake's got a lot of, uh, Drake has a lot of fans, but like devoted fans. I would think that J. Cole definitely got that. Yeah, just from just it's almost like a uh, like a tribe. Yeah, it's probably people that's watching this basketball game right now in Rwanda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> watching him score three points. Yeah, shout out to J Cole, man. Yeah, but he he's living his dream though. That's yeah, what he, for that's sure. what he. Mm-hmm. That was his childhood dream was to be an NBA player. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not in the NBA, but he's playing professionally. So mm-hmm. yeah, he got he, yeah he playing good ball over there in Wakanda, man. They really <laughs> shot him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his little Killmonger step back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out yeah. to Cole, man. Where, where we at, Keith? Uh, one forty-four. One forty-four. Yeah. Okay. You want to play one more song? Or you want to wrap Definitely. it up? What's it? Yeah, we can we can run man. through uh, run through foolish. Run yeah, through that, yeah. It's not connected. It's not playing, man. And then I'll talk oh, about oh. I'll talk about apple juice because everybody loves that ad lib. There we go.
question, that's my way, you know me. You say it, apple juice, baby, save it for me. Apple Take juice, inside of you waiting on me. We fell in love at first, like it's pinball. These days it's harder to catch myself. I pitfall. Keep it two verses with you. No capping on me, perfection on me, cause you know black men don't cheat. You never know that you hold me, baby, cause black men don't cheat. I was for the streets, now I'm a team player. Took me out the game, I signed a max, I was a free agent. And it be my playing party. Gotta run in KK, tryna hit that top speed. 98 on a dash on the freeway. We getting faded Persian rugs on. Ain't that shit foolish? Cause you don't like the tree. Be on the road, set on my guns. So dangerous Situations will arise But it ain't changing none Effort and time I need all that When I see it lacking I tend to fall back My toxic trait is that I see the bad too fast Try to look past it But it comes in flashes Wanted perfection and flawless I got shaky action Rough around the edges Couldn't shape you We bumping up before And I felt pain too I ain't the same me, you ain't the same you, the same you. We both products so all we been through Scar tissue from the emotional trauma It's getting way too hard to say I can't explain if I want to Still got leftover baggage, I'm trash And that's why I don't put it on you Life's a trip, somehow we found each other We're from strangers in the room and now we undercovers Ain't that shit fooling Cause you don't like the treat Be on the road, set on my guns I think uh, one of the things that stuck out to me, kind of going back to what you were saying about like, um, we're talking about like music being therapy and just kind of being uh, vulnerable in the song. Um, one thing, I just wrote it down. You said uh, one of your toxic, toxic traits is you see the bad too fast. Uh, when is When did you discover this? Because I feel like for me, I know um, probably like the last year and a half, you know, it's been like exponential growth in just the way I see the world. Do you? So, when did you discover that that was an issue for you? I started to catch that. I want to say maybe like two years ago, mm-hmm. and up until recently, I started to understand what I caught, hmm. and um. I started seeing that just in different people. Um, And this is like, this is no knock to like anybody that I associate with myself with, but it's just like 
immediately now, just based on past experiences with people, right when I first meet somebody, I start to think like, okay, damn, like, what if this person's like that? You just start mm-hmm. to overthink because mm-hmm. it's the thing. The thing is like, you don't necessarily know. And mm-hmm. I guess as humans, we don't always have the answers. I'm, so I'm very guilty of this. Keep going. So like we just, uh, <laughs> we just start assuming things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought it was really important to, to tell that and then speak on that in a song or just throughout, like just anywhere on the project. I thought that that, that needed to be said. And it's just like owning up to just overthinking, overanalyzing and start to create these negative thoughts in your head. And I mean, it's just human. It's just something that we all go through. But I just felt like it was the perfect track to say it on. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that uh, to this day. (laughs) Uh, Noticing those toxic traits too fast. I guess that the 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 acquired experiences caused you to do that it's kind of like your mind's on autopilot you're just like oh fuck not this again Mm -hmm. when you could be wrong that's true you know you could be wrong you know um or that's just part of a person you know what i mean it doesn't necessarily mean that obviously they could be working on themselves or working through some things and exactly you know they still have 80 percent good and you know we're thinking about the 20 percent. true yeah but i feel like in life we're always working through things Mm -hmm. like you're true you're always gonna be working through something everybody's always gonna have a story to tell Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean in the process of writing the story it is okay to take breaks from writing and look around and observe things around you yeah and that's one thing that i can say that I've done now in between the two year gap of dropping a project was really taking my time to go through life, go through the motions of life, observe and learn and intake different things, different information. And that all added to what I presented on the project. I was just going through those life experiences, realizing different things and understanding toxic traits, if you will. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that happens too, when we view the world like this, you overlook some of your own flaws. Mm. So you're not necessarily, a, you're aware of everybody else and what they're doing, but not necessarily aware of like how you're making people feel. Yeah, so. because you can, man, by digging for certain things out mm. of people, you can easily turn them off and they're just like, you know, I'm, let me just let me just cool off this person because mm-hmm. he's a little weird. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, But it's it's crazy though because sometimes in our heads our approach is completely justified Mm. and then other people view that as being a little bit too abrasive or just Mm -hmm. being too much you know but we don't see that because it's us so you you're right like we do overlook our own flaws and i think nobody's perfect but Mm -hmm. in some people's narcissistic heads they just we -hmm. get caught up in our own thoughts and we don't actually take the time to realize you know what maybe i do got some problems i need to work on yeah, I think we kind of justify our traumas and we expect people to maneuver around them. And I think that that could be bad. And I, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of us have been guilty of this. And we don't we don't see it as that way. But sometimes there's a trauma that's associated with how we, um, uh, you know, deal with people. Yeah. But also, too, you don't think that it's like it's one of those things that our whole lives as men, we've been seen as the figures that 
hold this shit together. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So it's just like we in our heads are like we kind of have to maneuver around our traumas. But Mm. in reality, we're human. We have to release like we have to release that at some point. Yeah, that's facts. That's why like um, music is so therapeutic, because something that I wouldn't normally say to like my significant other or my therapist or whoever I'm able to speak on it on a song, but mm-hmm. it's just like I think that is due to the fact that as men we just feel like we always got to hold it together and keep it to ourselves. Yeah, I mean, but I think that the things that are beating to our heads as young men don't help. You better man up. Yeah, shit like that. Get up off the ground. Don't be crying like no, you know, crying like a. I don't want no no offense to the ladies. Don't be crying like a girl. You know, shit like that. It's yeah. beat into our heads as little kids mm-hmm. and we become grown men and we really don't um, recover from those ideologies yeah. and, until we do the work on ourselves as men. And it's not a race thing at all, but this is very common in black families Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because we're we're kind of told as young black men to, you know, man up, be that masculine figure. But mm-hmm. it. In reality, it's like, okay, like maybe growing up, I was, I was a little hurt by this or like, <laughs> you know, like right. maybe, maybe this kind of affected me a certain way, Facts, but yeah. we don't say that Mm-mm. we keep it in. And you know, it's, it's like, um, J Cole said it best. Pride can get you killed at the end of the day. Pride mm. is, it could be your biggest enemy. You know, you not wanting to say something because you're so prideful Pride. and it just eats you up inside. Pride is the devil. It's crazy. Yeah, that's a hell of a point. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't yeah. Even got nothing even, to say. Even, I'm just nodding my head. Even uh, <laughs> even uh, Kendrick got a song. Uh, uh, this is "Love's Gonna Get You Cry, But Pride's Gonna Be the Death of You." Mm-hmm. Right? Love's gonna get you killed. Yeah, yeah. That's what he said. Love's gonna. I'm not gonna go over it again, but you guys mm-hmm. get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> not for sure. But like, I think that is also important to understand too. Is just kind of controlling your pride in a way. I mean, I don't know if it's something that certain people can do, but just humbling yourself every now and then, because it is okay. It's okay to like not speak on things at a certain time, Mm -hmm. but there's also times where you can speak on it when Mm -hmm. no one's around or in your journal. You just got to find outlets to release that energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that a lot of people around your age specifically are finding more ways to like mental health is something that's being talked about a lot but me coming up nobody talked about mental health you was just fucked up (laughs) (laughs) and you stayed that way Mm -hmm. so i I think that it's pretty it's pretty cool um that there's outlets for people yeah i mean i'm not the spokesperson of mental health but i too you know i i suffer from mental health issues so it's just like a lot of these outlets help like my own therapy in a way because it's like I've tried speaking to a therapist about certain things and it just maybe it wasn't for me but that doesn't mean that I wasn't emotionally fucked up it was just that maybe that wasn't the best outlet for me to release that negative energy right I asked uh, my I have a relationship therapist not a personal one Mm -hmm. I asked him that because I know there's a lot of people that have that experience like yo I went and it just didn't help me or this person just wasn't uh, I think one one thing he said is that anybody that's in therapy has the um, they are afforded the idea of moving to a different therapist. Mm. So um, 
maybe that person that you spoke to just wasn't for you. And, you know, maybe there are some someone someone else out there that, yeah. you know, that that. But obviously, it, you know, it's a it's it costs money and it, it takes time and all this. And we don't really have the luxury of just, you know, experimenting with, you know, or doing a vetting process for a million different therapists but yeah you know, just something yeah. i, I thought like i'd the, share i feel like the music is definitely helping you though for mm-hmm. sure yeah mm-hmm. and having conversations with people outside of my age group just older people yeah even my siblings all that kind of helps just understanding how the world works right because the world is pretty fucked up yeah let's yeah. just say it for what it is it, it is fucked up and <laughs> it's there's different elements of the world that will drive you crazy if you just want to sit there and think about it all day. But it's just understanding it and understanding your place in the world and what you can offer and bring to the table. That can take you so far because mm-hmm. it's like you'll have those days where you feel like everything is going south. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything right. But then you sit there and you analyze Maybe this day ain't my day, but not there's not a soul in this world that can do what I do. Mm-hmm. There you go. So once you understand your value as a person and just your value at, in whatever avenue that you're working in, that can take you a long way because now you're giving yourself motivation to do whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. You know what I've started catching myself doing? Like it, you ever have a day and just random like negative shit starts happening, like you spill your coffee and then your lunch falls down and then you're late and then you get <laughs> yeah. a traffic jam. When that happens, I just stop myself. I said, there are 17 hours left in this day and this is going to be a good day because I said it is right. You start speaking these things into existence and then you kind of bring yourself down and then the day is fine. Yep. You know, but I think that you can exacerbate that bad day, but like, Oh fuck, the day is fucked up on oh, my coffee. Oh <laughs> shit. Oh, what am I going to do? But it's that moment of clarity that helps you regain your composure. 100%. And that's that's important because it's okay to have breakdowns, but always got to focus on the recovery. Yeah. The back. recovery, the get back, and an, another term for that, the get back. Mm-hmm. The get back is, is important because you can go through some shit. That's okay, but it's how you respond to these things. 100%. And I've done a bad job of responding to some stuff. And then I redeemed myself and did a better job. I could speak to that, especially, you know, when I was younger, I'd probably be like, no, I'm good, man. I, I ain't got no problems. You know, yeah. but you, I fucked up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of this, too, is trial and error. You really just got to go through some shit to learn from some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If especially if you're not one of those people that are that are just good at figuring things out right. from the jump, it's OK to just go through some shit because. What's the worst that can happen? You're just going to learn from it. Facts. Another thing that helps, too, is learning from the mistakes of others. Because <laughs> I'll be like, nope, I seen you do that. It went bad. So I'll pass. <laughs> yeah. Especially when some old heads try to give you advice on some shit that you just know is yeah. just not going to work. <laughs> especially especially they from Brooklyn. Like, hey, son, look, check it out, son. This ain't going to work, son. <laughs> Shout out to Brooklyn, man. <laughs> and once again, shout out Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, number one fans out there. Oh yeah. Let's see if I got anything else on here. Yeah, Keith with the fancy iPhone now. Since he switched to iPhone, he's been acting different, man. I can't even text this guy anymore. <laughs> I'm a new man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only motherfucker in here with the, with a freaking Android. You got an iPhone too? 
Yeah. yeah, it's beat up. It's basically an Android, but <laughs> that's funny. Let's <laughs> go. At this point, it's, oh, let's go. I'm not gonna lie, I miss I miss when I had my Android because I had so much, I had so much music on it because mm-hmm. oh, right. I was able to download it straight from the internet onto my phone. But since yeah. I got an iPhone, I can't do that no that's more. Trash. Yeah, iPhone is like Target and Android is like Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Android though. Mm-hmm. All right, anything else, Keith? That's pretty much it. I, I was just going to say my favorite, obviously, Champagne Summer has been out for a minute, but I think even the intro is is dope. To when I hear it, I hear like a um, when the chorus comes on, it, it just reminds me of like a festival feel when mm. you can have like a bunch of people in a uh, yeah. yeah in the crowd just singing along with you. Yeah, I think that's dope. Yeah, definitely the weather is definitely more warm with a, mm-hmm. like a cool breeze. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sipping on like a mint julep or, you know, some, some <laughs> vino. <Mint> julep. <laughs> yeah. You kind of like get a tone when you listen to music. You kind of could create a whole like experience. Yeah, like a whole experience behind mm-hmm. it. That's yeah. why like before I got here too, I was just vibing out. You know, I don't live too far from just listening to your music driving up here. Like thinking about how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Like music always makes you feel a certain way. It's some music you'd be like, oh man, I'm dying. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh my stomach hurt. But this was this if music this. making your stomach hurt. You may, <laughs> maybe you should have listened to the album. <laughs> yeah. You just listen to to a, to just the album. You just like, damn, I gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's some music that can make you feel such a way that you really vibing, and it's like like really up tempo, like you really feeling it. And then you look at the speedometer. Now you're going 90 miles an hour. You're like, oh fuck! Yeah, music See, music drives you that. And way. that happens to me whenever I listen to NBA YoungBoy. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Catch myself doing 95 on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> Let me change this shit to something more civilized. <laughs> Put on uh, some Solange or something. <laughs> oh, this did that new Playboy Cardi. <laughs> Yeah. Whole time I'm listening to straight ad libs, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so, are uh, what are some artists you want to uh, work with, or you know, do you have like dream collaborations? Oh yeah, most definitely. An artist that I really want to work with is um, it's Mike Jones. Okay. Wow. Really want to work with Mike Jones, uh, Dom Kennedy. That's dope. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I'd love to work with. I'm trying to think. Kaylani, that's mm-hmm. dope. Russ, that's dope. Black, that's dope. That'd be dope. And um, Ari Lennox, mm-hmm. and also Sean Mendes. Okay, all your collaborations make sense. The only one that threw me off is the Mike Jones one. He's just an OG that yeah. I that I really respect, and I think that we would make a crazy song. Ever that's since so I heard uh, that song he did with T Pain, right, mm-hmm. right. That's that's the kind of song I can see myself uh, making with him. So I you, know his number if you want to reach out to him. It's 281 Hit my Jones up on the low because my Jones about to blow. <laughs> nah, but yeah, Mike Jones. That's Wow. I've never, you know. especially a young artist, I've never heard a younger artist especially say they want to collaborate. But yeah. Mike Jones had a spot. That album he had was hard, though. Mm-hmm. It was called uh, Who Is Mike Jones? Mm-hmm. That shit was hard. Another reason why I think I want to work with him so bad is because I'm from Houston. So. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. okay. Well, my family is, and mm-hmm. I, I was born there, but I was raised here. Yeah. Right. And so, like, just that love for Houston rap 
mm-hmm. it's always gonna be there. So could yeah, you, could you see yourself like collaborating with somebody like a Travis Scott then? Facts. Okay. Yeah. I love Travis Scott. Um, another one that I really want to collaborate to that I didn't mention is um, damn, I just thought about it. Is Meek Mill? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that'd be dope. Wow. Yeah, it'll come, man. I like the the cool like we I was saying about the cool thing about shooting these music videos and stuff is you see artists from, you know, pulling up in uh, Toyota Camry mm-hmm. and then a year and a half later they got a Mercedes Benz and a G wagon yeah. all kind of stuff. So like stuff can change so fast. You have yeah. to you have to remain steadfast in that idea. There there's a, a crazy story about Pitbull. Like we talked about Pitbull. And Charlemagne talked about it when he to said, the radio station. He came to the radio station with a beat up car and a bumper was falling off and shit. And he was trying to get him to listen to his music. They wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. And then you see what you see where he is now. Yeah, Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mr. Three Hundred Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a year from now, if you see me in a Tesla and I start acting different, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I was like that guy in that Tesla right there. I'm about to pour some water on his battery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Uh, I've got nothing else, man. But before we before we close the pot, we need to get all your socials, man. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's at Ness Julius on all social medias. I believe it's also yeah. It's at Ness Julius on all social SoundCloud. medias. Uh, SoundCloud is Ness Julius. Mm-hmm. Apple Music Ness Julius. You can follow me on uh, Spotify. You can follow me on SoundCloud. Everywhere is pretty much the same, and that's Julius. Mm. That's dope, man. Talk about before you get out of here. Talk about your management and your your just your team, you know, and the the record label, and you know, just give us a little quick rundown about everything. Yeah, so um, right now I'm directly associated with Undefined, mm-hmm. and it's me and my manager Noble. Um, he also makes music, and uh, how we run it is very like. From the jump, there was never any any real rules, mm-hmm. I can say. Like, I pretty much have, like, I'm not going to say I can do whatever I want, but I pretty much have a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. And he trusts me with making my decisions. Obviously, he's he's going to chime in and, and veto some shit. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> but all in all, it's a, it's a really dope relationship we have. I mean, like, we both trust each other to make this this thing work mm-hmm. we built the foundation and now it's it's time to build the rest of the house mm-hmm. so it's like we, we trust each other and then on top of that i'm also a part of the heavy rain collective with mm-hmm. joe Maynard and still waiting on my chain so. <laughs> <laughs> Man. i'm gonna get mine soon enough but yeah, yeah. everybody i mean everybody been getting them so mm-hmm. i know yeah yours on the way for sure. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that I felt like I had to earn mm-hmm. until I just seen everybody getting them. I'm like, I thought this was <laughs> I was like, I was, I was like, wait a minute. I thought I thought this was gonna be something like the Rockefeller the Rock chain. <laughs> when when Ye got on stage yeah. and he was giving I was like, I I'm need that moment. To just, the until they told me that, man, you ain't had George yet? I said, no. <laughs> Nigga, I was no. Waiting. <laughs> like, I was waiting for the concert. <laughs> here, here I am thinking that I had to earn this shit, and y'all That's just funny. They like, nah, bro, you need to get to it. <laughs> yeah, I know, nigga. <laughs> nah, but it's it's all love over there. Like it's mm-hmm. they some clowns. It's all jokes. Like yeah. the, them, my guys for real. So mm-hmm. I know I'm a I'm gonna get mines. 
Mm -hmm. For sure. It's just. Yeah. I just thought I was going to have my yay moment when I was yeah. on stage and they was, you know. Just throw it but, over your head. You know, uh, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm for sure going to get my heavy mm -hmm. rain chain, my undefined chain. So That's dope. Yeah, nigga, I'm looking at you. Whenever, <laughs> whenever we decide to make those, you let me know. I better be the first thing to get it. Yeah. Uh, do y'all watch? Uh, y'all watch Snowfall? No, I don't. You, you watch I, it? I got into it, but I I need to get back into it. Uh, that yeah. was a great show. Yeah, it is. You definitely is one of those shows that from the first episode when you start watching it, you'll get hooked. That's how I felt about Ozark. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I love Ozark. I love Ozark. Ozark is the shit. Man, Ozark is that shit. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I got in like four episodes in the first season of Snowfall and then I just, I just fell off. I think what it would have benefited me if I was watching it concurrently. So I don't have to like play catch up because it was so much people. It was trending on Twitter every week. You yeah. know, people were talking about it Shit, on podcasts I mean, and stuff. You saying catch up on that, bro? I just started Grey's Anatomy. There's 16 oh, seasons. Good, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm barely on season two. Yeah. And like, I didn't even get to watch all the episodes, dude. I done fell asleep, left that shit yeah. on. So by the time you finish that, you're gonna have a heavy rain chain. Yeah. Right. You're gonna wake up with a heavy rain chain on. <laughs> but man, I, I literally, no joke, last week I started watching it and I was on episode, I started episode one, mm -hmm. watched episode two, woke up the next morning, I was on season two. I was like, what the <laughs> I said, That's wait funny. a minute. This nigga died? That's comedy. Oh, you My favorite character done died and all types of shit happened. Like, these niggas went from learning how to put on some stitches to just doing full-on surgeries. Like, when he when he started knowing about the brain and shit. Yeah. But, they uh, they but, have a, a debate. I don't know if you've seen The Wire. Have you watched The Wire? No, but I've, I, I want to get into it, though. Uh-huh. But they, I just seen a few people debating over the wire, the wire snowfall, snowfall, and power, um, and you know, power is another one that I've I've never gotten. You haven't into. seen power yet? Uh -uh. Yeah, power power is cool. Uh, power is not snowfall by any means, so uh -huh. don't go into it expecting the quality of snowfall. You know what I mean? But see, also too, I feel like snowfall had time to adjust itself because mm. of because of powers and because like the impact that power had. Snowfall wasn't out yet. Yeah. And Snowfall, I'm sure the writers were inspired by that. And so it's like you got all these different elements in that show that they were able to implement into Snowfall. Yeah. So it's like it's something that was probably not directly influenced, but I'm sure it had a part in the production and how they decided to write it. The the way I look at it, this is just my take. Um relating it to music, there's like Kendrick Lamar's and Drake's and J. Cole's from a writing talent perspective. And then there's like Soulja Boys. <laughs> so yeah. Soulja Boys. What I, basically what I'm saying is that the the artists on Snowfall are elite by any means. Mm. You, you know, you got John Singleton as, you know, rest in peace, but he was like the head of it, you know, and he wrote Boys in the Hood and, you know, a bunch of other stuff, right? Yeah. Um, Power is, you know, the the people that are curating that show just aren't the people that are on snowfall what is another elite writing show would it be like this is us yeah this is us it's good um obviously Atlanta's dope i um, love Atlanta. Yeah. yeah another show that i didn't expect to love as much as i did was dave 
Dave is dope. Dave was really dope Dave to me. Really saying that. Yeah, uh, you gotta watch it. That little dicky, right? Yeah. yeah. Dave is like I'm not gonna lie, it's like the white Atlanta. Low it key. is like the, that's what I was gonna say. It's like the white Atlanta. The white Atlanta would be Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But yeah. it's it's a lot it's a lot of those like just you could tell just from watching the show, like these are elite people at what they do, like top tier. Yeah, for people. sure. Mm-hmm. Childish Gambino really he really got a talent for yeah. just for writing because Atlanta was funny, man. Yeah. And the way the story is put together is really dope, too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy that he would even take that approach and tell that story because mm-hmm. it's a real relatable struggle because I'm over here watching it and I'm like, bro, I feel him. Yeah. On a whole, <laughs> yeah. I done, I done ran into random people that said, oh, I know, I know you from so-and-so. Like, yeah. So I feel him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like very down to earth, but also has like these weird, like, quirky scenes or like freaking crocodiles running through the street Man. like yeah it was pretty the crazy the one that got me was the lemon pepper wet yeah, oh, yeah. I when still, they open the box or something. Man, I still want to try that lemon pepper wet <laughs> <laughs> no I heard that they really make that down south though really yeah. I, I need to try that cause mm-hmm. I like lemon pepper so have yeah. you seen uh, Community show Community yeah I've seen Community I think um, what I realized is that like you could tell the uh like the the family tree of that show because when you watch that show there's there's episodes in there that are similar to episodes in atlanta where it's like it's like separate from the actual show like even the show where i mean the episode where it's just strictly like commercials almost Mm -hmm. like the uh the arizona and the um the dodge challenger commercial like that kind of episode like that's the kind of stuff that they did in community where it's a sitcom but all of a sudden, they'll break out into this like spy movie or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah there was never really any filler episodes. And even the filler episodes, like I want to say that episode where they were at Drake's mansion. Yeah. Even that wasn't like focused on, um, on ain't his name Al on there or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, even that wasn't focused on him, but mm-hmm. it's like that episode was was still probably one of my favorites really and the the teddy perkins one that was too. really good yeah that was a trip yeah that's what i'm saying like it's as far as like being no rules you know it's just like you just do what you want to but if it's great it's great that's that man well mm-hmm. looks like we came to the end of this conversation we got a freaking uh tv yeah. show podcast going yeah, on I know, right? <laughs> definitely mm-hmm. right, his manager's ass has got to be hurting on that on stool right <laughs> He is dying, dude. He's been dying for a while. <laughs> Sent out a little prayer to him during the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, looks like we reached the end of this conversation, man. Mm-hmm. If you made it to this far, we appreciate you for listening. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fiends. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>